Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few moments, going to be joined by Dominic Aragon of the RacingExperts.com. Dominic and I, beginning on Tuesday of next week, are going to be launching a brand new podcast, Let's Go Racing, with NASCAR veteran David Starr as we'll be looking back at David's career and his season, telling all sorts of stories and having some great guests involved. And it's going to be the sister program to the Jones Report. And so we'll be bringing that to you each and every Tuesday starting next week. So we're going to get a preview of what's coming up on the podcast and also talk a little racing with uh, Dominic when he joins us coming up later on in the show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, uh, I'm excited for next week. I know you're not involved in uh, this new show we're starting, but uh, just to have some complimentary programming around here, uh, cool to see uh, us branching out a little bit and uh, partnering with David Starr here. That's a big gift for our organization to have uh, David involved and in working with us here. You know, Jones, I'm obviously not, you know, the biggest NASCAR fan, obviously, but uh, I'm, I was excited to see you guys get some play on Reddit. You know, I've, I'm obviously a big Reddit proponent. Uh, I'm a big Reddit guy. And so to see that, I thought, well, hell yeah. Uh, you know, got some Reddit play. I mean, that's that's prime real estate there. So we get picked up on the main NASCAR Reddit. And to li- provide a little context here, um, you know, they we, we sent out a press release uh, all around the country and had a lot of news stations and various sites pick it up and we're still getting some additional coverage on some things to do with this podcast, Tom. And NASCAR Reddit puts it up and says uh, a couple of the comments here. All right, everybody, scratch off David Starr hosting a podcast off your 2020 bingo card. <laughs> Another one. I expect no less than half of this podcast to be devoted to reviewing Whataburger items. Now, that's, that's spot on. That's, that's, that's very true. accurate. And with yeah, Dominic alone, we love Whataburger. But the fact that David, that's one of his biggest sponsors is Whataburger, that's a match made in heaven. You could better believe you that uh, that show is uh, going to be involved with a lot of Whataburger town. And no, I hope so. It, it needs to be. It should be. Uh, I mean, get a Whataburger in Kansas City. Right. Um, maybe we can do a show with Dave from a Whataburger location. Uh, that would be – I'm, you know, I imagine you being in Tulsa, I imagine you're getting your Whataburger in Bromsville this weekend. So, that's right. You, uh, you're you correct about that. I am in Tulsa uh, celebrating Thanksgiving with my family, made the way down here Tuesday afternoon. And so, I'm actually uh, recording this in uh, my, my uh, childhood bedroom, uh, believe it or not, for this week's show. And uh, a little – Backstory, Tom, the first meal I ate, you can guess, is Whataburger. And I make my order. I know exactly what I want. And I asked for a chocolate shake. And you know what they told me, Tom? I got the McDonald's treatment. The chocolate, the shake machine was down. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was very disappointed. Uh, I even told them, I said, man, I drove three and a half hours to get a Whataburger shake. And they just scuffed it off. They didn't even say anything about it. Right. They're just like, well, you know, it could be worse. <laughs> right. But you could have driven four hours to get a Whataburger. Shirt. Right. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I haven't had Whataburger in a while since I um, 
you know, I'm not bartending anymore. That was my go-to um, after being done bartending because really that was the only thing open and, and I hadn't really eaten all night. That was my go-to for a while. It's probably a good thing um, just because there for a while that was – that was night in, night out type situation, and I, I can't turn down a patty melt. I really, I really can't. Oh yeah, the patty melt and the just the water burger itself are my go-to items at uh, at Whataburger. And the chocolate shake, you got to dip it in the fries in the chocolate shake, and that's a game changer. I didn't get to do that today. I felt cheated. Yeah, I mean that's especially since you don't get it all the time. Right. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to go – you're going to have to hit up Brahms for sure. Right. Before you – That'll be a must. Uh, I, I, my parents live not too far from Brahms, actually, so that can be arranged. Uh, Thanksgiving coming up on a Thursday, and that's why we're releasing the Jones Report this week a day early because we have these games coming up right away on a Thursday. Tom, what's uh, your Thanksgiving look like in the Bridges household? You know, actually, this is the uh, first Bridges Thanksgiving where we have an extra family member. Uh, sister recently had a kid, and it's it's my first niece or nephew. Um, so I'm an uncle now. Um, so first Thanksgiving where I'm an uncle. Not an Uncle Tom. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm an Uncle Thomas. Um, so I'm sure I'll be in the chair watching football with the with the new nephew, I'm sure. Um at least for part of the time, but uh, we're actually doing it today, Jones. Uh, we're doing it today. Um, and so as soon as I get off work, I'll come back to Bartlesville um, from Tulsa. And, and I don't even know, Jones, I, and I should bless them with an Andy Reid Mac. Uh, really should bless the, bless the fan with an Andy Reid Mac, but I don't think – I'm going to have the time to make it, you know, obviously we record this show, you know, when we record it, but, um, I'm going to be at work today when, when, when the time this comes out and you hear it, I'll be at work, um, probably until a, a, a God awful time. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we do what we can do, but, um, we're doing it a day early for whatever reason, but I'm fine with it. Thursday, um, I'll probably, which reminds me, um, liquor stores are closed. That means if you want your craft beer fix for Thanksgiving or your liquor fix in that case, that means you probably need to go a little early. And so I need to do that tomorrow, um, as bad as that sounds. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, reminder, your local liquor store is going to be closed. And then Jones, it's going to be weird this year. Black Friday shopping is obviously a no-go. Absolutely. I mean, despite the deals and whatever, I, I'm not, are you going to black? I'm not black Friday shopping. I, I don't care how much the cheap ass TV is going to be this year. <laughs> um, I can't remember the last time I black Friday shopped and I'm not doing it during a pandemic either. Uh, I would imagine this is going to be the biggest Cyber Monday of all time uh, <laughs> when that rolls around next week and uh, the specials that will be on the interwebs over the next several days. But my Thanksgiving, it's going to be just me, my mom and dad, and my sister. Uh, and we'll be hanging out and watching 
uh, you know, plenty of football, and KU plays in their opener against Gonzaga, the number one ranked team in the country, coming up uh, 12.30 on Thursday. And uh, so we've been watching that and uh, just hanging out. I, we're, we're not even having turkey this year, believe it or not. We're going to have chicken fried steak, which I think is a significant upgrade compared to turkey. Turkey's not bad, but why is it that we have to have turkey on Thanksgiving? I mean, it's it's turkey. It's it's not, you know, anything special. I mean, there's there's a lot better options than you can do with the turkey. So we are not I'd having rather a, have a steak. Right? Yeah. Chicken Go fried all steak, out and, steak, and everybody get ribeyes and, right? and do that. Yeah. Yeah. That that'd be a much better option. So uh, we're not doing turkey. Perfectly fine with me. Um, you know, I, I am one, Tom. I don't know how, how you feel about this. I am not a traditionalist by any means of the word. I have always said, whenever I feel like I'm ready to get married, here's what I'm going to do. And maybe my future spouse is listening right now, so maybe she's getting a warning. Who knows? Um, but here's what exactly I do. I'd propose – and then that week, we're going to the courthouse, and we're getting married, signing everything, getting done. And then just like six months or a year later, we'll actually have a real ceremony. And especially in a pandemic, uh, that's that's the best way to go, I think, quite frankly. I'm not traditional in any way, whether it comes to, you know, even celebrating holidays, we have this uh, Norman Rockwell mindset of that we have to celebrate holidays on the day of. In your case, you guys are having Thanksgiving Wednesday night. Um, you know, if somebody's got to work on a holiday or whatever, adjust accordingly. I mean, those are just days. You can celebrate these things at any time. Um, it happened to work out for us that we're doing it on Thanksgiving Day, but I'm not a traditionalist in any sense, Tom. You know, and I, I guess that's why we're doing it on, you know, I guess technically tonight um, because my sister is a nurse. And so she actually has to work on Thanksgiving. She doesn't have to work on Christmas. Um, but even though, I mean, I say that, uh, Jones, uh, side tangent here. Do you have a family group chat? Yes. Right. I feel like every family has to have one. Um, and so it's already been decided, even though my sister has off for Christmas, I guess we're doing Christmas on Christmas Eve. And maybe that's something about getting older. Like I said, I don't really care. And, and here's the deal about Christmas, too. Um, you know, obviously during the pandemic, it doesn't work. But I've always been, at least for the last couple of years, a proponent of I don't care about any Christmas gifts. We can make it a whole lot easier on everybody else by not buying them. Just everybody pay their own way for a family vacation or a cruise or something. Obviously not a cruise right now and probably not a cruise for a long time. Um, but. I am, a, a, you know, on board with that. No pun intended with being on a cruise. Um, but I'm a big proponent of that. I would I would rather go on a vacation and kick back in a, in a beach house somewhere and, and, you know, get drunk for three days than have to have anybody deal with buying gifts or, you know, do that whole deal. Because, yeah, you know, you feel pressured to buy gifts. And it's right. not necessarily about the money, but then you also have to go shop and deal with crowds and then worry about is what I got for this person, what, you know, something they would actually like. And it's just, let I that's, that's my thing going forward as I get older is like, 
let's just take a vacation somewhere and, and hang out as a family in a beach house somewhere or hell I don't I don't care. Let's let's you know, go to Colorado that's what, or that's what we were gonna do this year and then the pandemic happened. So that canceled our plans, but I like that idea personally to do that for uh the holiday season and uh to adapt accordingly that way. Uh be flexible. Uh here's a hot take for you when it comes to this the holiday season, Tom. Christmas is so overrated. Between all the gift giving and all that, Thanksgiving, I think, is the best holiday of the year. It's simple. You eat, you watch football um, on your couch and just, you know, kick back. Thanksgiving, you know, you got all the family drama and all the stuff that comes with that and the gift giving and, you know, all the Christmas music and the decorations and all that, you know, just hot garbage. Um, Thanksgiving's the best day of the year. I'll take that over Christmas any day. You're saying Thanksgiving, huh? I don't mind Thanksgiving. I'm not a big Thanksgiving food eater, but I, I like the approach that you guys are doing. Don't feel like you have to make the traditional foods. I mean, of course, unless you, I guess you like them. I don't like stuffing. I don't really? like turkey. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always been a pretty picky eater. Um, in Thanksgiving, I was always known as a kid that was eating macaroni and cheese, rolls, and ham, and that was it. Um. Okay. And, you know, we did a Friendsgiving, not this year, but we did one last year, and I made gumbo, obviously not a traditional Thanksgiving food, and it was gone within the first 30 minutes. Really? And so, and I'm like, all right, see, you know, and the turkey was still there, and the turkey never got finished because turkey is just a, uh, uh, you know, not that good of a food for what it's hyped up to be. I think my favorite holiday is New Year's Eve. Okay. Um, you know, in, in the past New Year's Eve, I guess the, the last couple I've been more so working, I guess you could call it DJing, but that doesn't stop me from partying whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, it, I guess, but, but you're right. You don't have to have, you don't have to be on the day of. I mean, people work people have other obligations and and at the end of the day it's just a day and as long as you can figure out a day to be together for one day or to celebrate that whether it be with friends family whoever i I think that's the most important i don't care if it's you know two months after thanksgiving if that's when you can get together that's when you can get together right now the, the foods i have to have you mentioned you don't like thanksgiving foods um you know I enjoy uh, corned beef. Um, also got to have some uh, broccoli rice casserole, some green bean casserole. Start mm. out in the morning with a breakfast quiche. Um, you know, Wait a second. You're telling me Lisa makes a freaking breakfast quiche? Yes. Every oh, well, morning. Damn, I might be over on Thursday morning. I might have to – you know, I might have to just go ahead and, and make a mac and cheese on on uh, an Andy Reid mac on on Wednesday night after I get off work and just trade it out for a breakfast quiche at your house on Thursday hey, morning. Come on by. You're, you're, you're more than welcome. Absolutely. You, you know, you know about the Andy Reid mac. Oh, I do. I, I know where it's at. Yeah, have have some quiche and mimosas with us. Start out Thanksgiving morning at the Jones house. You'd enjoy it. Uh, I might have to mess around with a breakfast quiche. That sounds delicious. Yeah. And, uh, you know, dessert wise, I got to have, uh, I, I'm not a huge pumpkin pie fan, to be honest with you. 
Um, I'll take cheesecake or chocolate pie. Um, you know, those will be my first choices. And then maybe a pecan pie or an apple pie, something like that. But pumpkin pie is well down the pecking order when it comes to pie. Stuffing, I love, but it's got to be done right. And my grandmother, who I'm not going to see this Thanksgiving, you know, with uh, you know, everybody taking precautions and such, um, she doesn't make the best stuffing, but don't tell her I said that. <laughs> do you still eat it when you do see her? Uh, no, I pass on it. Uh, I, I, my mom makes incredible stuffing, but uh, grandmother, not so much. I mean, we can't all make the best stuff, I guess. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty much a one-trick pony with the mac and cheese um but i know what i got uh so i stick to what i know when i make Thanksgiving. you know if i make anything for thanksgiving and, and jones you know what i've also done before um i have and, and for friendsgiving we've done this and and i believe a couple of years ago i did it on actual thanksgiving i made football foods like i made you know um bacon wrapped jalapenos Ooh. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, people that say, well, you have to stick with the Thanksgiving foods and the crock of shit. No, I, you know, I'm down to, I would rather have a pulled pork than, than anything else on Thanksgiving. If I had to pick one yeah, um, over a ham or a turkey or anything else, I, I mean, I, or like you guys are doing chicken fried steak. I think that's great. I think we as a nation need to move away from being put into a box for Thanksgiving and thinking that you have to have the traditional to, to have an actual holiday. Right. I think you have whatever the hell you want. Absolutely. Uh, Tom, you know what I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving? What are you thankful for? Uh, I'm thankful that Patrick Mahomes is the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Chiefs and Bucks coming up this weekend. And the Chiefs coming off that win – against the Raiders on Sunday night. And Bo and I, Bo made a special appearance on Monday's show, and there was a lot of things to dissect from that Chiefs-Raiders game. And, you know, the Chiefs, I think that one thing you looked at is, you know, it, it felt like, Tom, that it took everything to win that game, but the Chiefs still did not play an A game. Far from it. Um, you know, you look at the defense, just how bad they were, the secondary, and you know, not getting a pass rush, no sacks for that Chiefs defense. It was very unusual for the Chiefs that they didn't that they, you know, were not playing their A game like that, but they still found a way to win. And, you know, there was this talk, and, and myself included, I was one of those that thought that the Chiefs were going to have this big statement win. But I think that more had to do with the Raiders were that good of a team that they were ready to come out and play and you know defend their home turf, rivalry game, to come out and put their best foot forward. John Gruden, we mentioned it last week. We're sold on John Gruden. You know, he's doing a great job with that Raiders team. And he coached one of the best games I've ever seen called. When he was able to get it out of that Raiders team, I mean, heck of a job by them to compete as hard as they did. I'll say this. Um, you can make the case, sure, that you think the Chiefs should have blown out the Raiders, they're a much better team, all that. The Raiders came to play. Um, that is still a heck of a win to get that on the road, a division rival in prime time. 
a heck of a job by the Chiefs. You sit at 9-1 and one now. I think you look at this team and you say, hey, your quarterback is playing as good as he ever has. Um, you know, he's so efficient. He's only got two picks on the year. Both those happen to be against the Raiders. Your quarterback's fine. Your offensive line needs some help. You need Mitchell Schwartz and some of these other guys to get healthier. But they will. They'll get better as the season goes along. Your running back group, they're still figuring themselves out with Clyde and Le'Veon Bell, but you're fine there. Receivers, you need to get healthier with Sammy Watkins and, and uh, some of these other guys, but your receiving core is fine. It, it's really just a couple of things with this Chiefs team that get healthier on the offensive line, pass rush improve a bit, but they've been so good the last couple of years. Secondary, similar to what we talked about, the offensive line, just to get a little more healthier. I would like to see less Dan Sorensen, but I feel like I've been saying that the last four years that I'd like to see less Dan Sorensen. I mean, even that interception he had on Sunday night, there's at least 100 different safeties that could have made that same play. It wasn't anything special that Dan did. Um, In the special teams unit, you'd like to see Butker, you know, stop missing extra points. But, you know, of those things I pointed out there, I don't think there's a team in the league that can say that, you know what, the issues we have as a team are, you know, any better than the Chiefs. I think that this just comes a point of reality where the Chiefs just are who they are, and you have to accept that they have some flaws of some sorts. I think that's where we're at with this team right now is that, sure, the Steelers have the best record in the league, but the Chiefs are a complete football team, and there's still room for this team to grow. They're still only going to get better at this point, Tom. Yeah, and, and I think my biggest thing is, is an outsider looking in at this point for the Chiefs is they are finding ways to win, and, and some of the time that's even better than just blowing the hell out of teams. I And that's, you know, that's coming from me. So, uh, you know, as a Rams fan, obviously I want to see my team just kick the, kick the dog out of whoever they're playing. But, uh, you know, for the Chiefs, I mean – Hell, you you take what you can get, uh, and if you're finding ways to win, that's a mark of a really good team. And I, I'll stick by saying that uh, if you can if you can just put and get enough out of your team to to make sure that you you know can can win the game and 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 are good in the final you know minutes like the Chiefs have been, then you know. You take what you you take what you get, and you don't throw a fit. And as long as you're winning games, a win's a win's a win. Absolutely, uh, no question about it. And, and this week's game against the Bucks, um, comparing the two teams, you have this Bucks team coming in off a loss, and the Bucks talent-wise, you know that receiving core with with Godwin and Evans and Gronk and Antonio Brown, it's hard to find a better group in the league than what they bring right there. But what have we said the whole time about the Bucs, Tom? Since day one, since we knew Tom Brady was arriving in Tampa, this is a pandemic year that OTAs, practices, time with teammates, all that stuff is limited. And – you know, they had a pretty good group lined up day one for training camp, but 
they still have been adding more pieces as time has gone along. Leonard Fournette showed up. Antonio Brown showed up. They lost O.J. Howard for the year early on. This is a team that's still trying to find itself. You know, Tom Brady throws two interceptions against the Rams and had some awful passes down the field. Hey, Bruce Arians, a little, you know, reminder here. What did Tom Brady do so well in New England? The short passing game, throwing it to the middle of the field. That's not the Tom Brady strengths. There's still some figuring out that Tampa is trying to do of working in the Bruce Arians system and the Tom Brady system and working in these new guys. The Chiefs, this team, okay, sure, you have some new running backs this year than what you did last year. Other than that, everything else is the same thing from last year. It's rinse and repeat. It's adding to it. The system's in place. I think that's why that even with the injuries and some of these things have gone on with the Chiefs, that they've continued to roll. They've continued to win even in these tight ball games and everything is because they know what it takes. They've been there before. They know this Andy Reid system and time and time again. Uh, the, the Bucks. this team is getting better. I like where they're headed, but they are not the Chiefs. They still have a ways to go, and it might not even be this year that they reach that point to figure out, you know, taking that time to gel and get together. This still might be a project that takes – another season for the Bucs to find their footing of source. Yeah, very well might. And, and it's, you know, Bruce Arians stuck in his ways, and so is Tom Brady. You know, we knew Bruce Arians is a deep ball type guy. And, uh, you know, for Tom Brady, obviously, you, you need to – you got to play your quarterback strengths. He hasn't been doing that, um, obviously. But at the same time, you know, can you teach an old dog new tricks? I don't, I don't necessarily think you can, but – not Tom Brady, at least, because he didn't shake hands of golf um, on Monday night and didn't shake hands of uh, of Nick Foles either. Um, that was but, classless. Yeah, I mean, that's a typical – I mean, what have we come to expect from Tom Brady? I mean, he thinks he's just yeah, – he's, he's the GOAT. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say he's not. But at the same time, like, come on. Like, you, you beat Goff in the Super Bowl, and he gets you in a regular season game. You can at least give him a shake. For, for honestly, a game well played. I thought Goff played well. And, uh, you know, for Tom Brady and the Bucks, I, I thought the funniest thing to come out of it, obviously I, I was overjoyed to see my team win. Um, but at the same time, the, the guy who picked Tom Brady off, and, and they made some memes on this on Reddit, I thought was, I thought was great. Um, the guy who picks Tom Brady off is a rookie. Jones, where do you think Jordan Fuller played college at? I do not know. Where where did he play? Think about where Tom Brady played. And Michigan. then think about think about where Jordan Fuller probably played. Michigan State? He played for Ohio State. And they Ohio said, State. Oh. Okay. They said, what, a, what a time to be alive when Ohio State continually picks off. Uh, a Michigan quarterback. Um, and I thought another great thing, obviously I have a lot of great things for a team that I root for, but this Kendall Fuller kid, he's a rookie. Uh, he had some injuries early on in the season, but has come back and has played pretty good for the Rams. He's a rookie. You pick off Tom Brady twice in a game. Jones, from what it looked like, from what I could tell, he kept both footballs. Yeah. I mean, for you know, if you're a rookie coming in the league, Ohio State or not, you pick off Tom Brady, that's a ball you're keeping for a long time. 
Absolutely. Uh, rightfully so, you should uh, you know, keep that football and, uh, and celebrate that moment. But, um, you know, I, I look at the Chiefs and the, when, you, when you talk about matchups, you know, besides the obvious ones of Brady versus Mahomes and, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill and Antonio Brown, stuff like that, Gronk and Kelsey, some of just the more obvious ones. Um, if Tyron Matthew is ready to go, if he can give it, if he can play, Tom Brady and Tyron Matthew, or Tyron Matthew versus that receiving core, if Tyron Matthew can have a big day, then I think the Chiefs are going to be in really good shape. Um, if Tyron Matthew has an off day or just is kind of MIA, uh, then I think we're talking about a pretty close ball game of some sorts here. But if if I'm the Bucks, I think that's what you have to do is find a way to take a take away Tyron Matthew, make him irrelevant, and that's easier said than done. Yeah, and and I think and you know we'll talk about this later on as well. But uh, yeah, I think you know Steve Spags is going to look at a you know look at the tape from his old old team here and, and realize that, you know, so for the Chiefs, Tyron Matthew is their Jalen Ramsey. He's probably going to be matched up on Mike Evans the whole whole game. And, and if you watch Monday night, when Jalen Ramsey or the best corner wasn't lined up against Mike Evans, he made him pay. And I, I, think, I think that's probably what the Chiefs will do if Matthew is ready. Uh, and, and I think he probably will be. Um, I think they'll probably line him up on Mike Evans and, and then force Brady to, you know, throw to Antonio Brown, which is still Antonio Brown, but he's, it's not the same, obviously. And then uh, Brady's other receiver that, that he, he pretty much focused on, on on Monday night was a tight end. Uh, I think his name's Tyler Brait. Um, and And got him out in the flats, but if, if the Chiefs secondary has to watch tape this week uh, because they cannot, they cannot play the same that they did against the Raiders. They, I mean, the Raiders have some quality wide receivers and some quality game, and it's obviously John Gruden calling plays for the most part. But, uh, I mean, the Chiefs have to – the secondary has to be a lot better this week. And I think it will be. I think they know who they're up against. And, and and they'll be it better. Maybe not. Well, here's here's my last point on the Chiefs. Uh, and tying back to something we mentioned, um, it wasn't a coincidence last week, Tom, that the secondary struggled when the Chiefs' front seven didn't get a pass rush. What we've seen this Brett Veach system, the way that he's put this personnel together, is. You don't have to have a lockdown corner. That's why they didn't spend the money, not only just attitude-wise, but why they didn't keep you know, Marcus Peters and Kendall Fuller and some of these other guys is because they said, look, you can get away with having a great pass rush and average cornerbacks. For the Chiefs, if the pass rush is not there, then the secondary is going to struggle. And – that's where I pointed back to Chiefs get t- pressure on Tom Brady. That's going to do wonders for that secondary and make them look a lot better. Whether Tyron Matthew plays or not, 
I think the success of the secondary is dependent on that front seven if they get any pass rush on Brady. Yeah, and, and for the Bucks, they should probably have two starting offensive linemen out, it seems like. Maybe just maybe even just one, but um, I think Chiefs will get a better pass rush this week. Um, you know, obviously, than they did the Raiders. I mean, it's, everything's up from there. Um, they need to force Brady, you know, to to throw it quicker than he wants to and, um, you know, don't give him a whole lot of time in the pocket. I th- that's kind of, you know, I d- didn't even need to say that. But, um, you know, I, I think Chiefs, I, th- I think they can, I think they can go ahead and, and get the job done this week. We'll talk about it later. But um, I think it's, it could still be a very close game. It is in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah, certainly so. Should be a lot of fun coming up on a Sunday. We'll talk about that more later on in our pick segment. Tom, let's look around the rest of the National Football League for week number 12, Thanksgiving. We have three games to treat us with on Thanksgiving, and it begins at 11.30 in the morning with the Texans and the Lions. Houston, a three-point favorite in this game. The Lions are at home. Tom, uh, you know, we love to, to give the Cowboys a hard time, but there's no tradition like that first game on Thanksgiving Day, the Lions finding some way to lose at home. And and I know they have the better record, but Deshaun, the way they played against the Patriots last week and the Lions getting shut out, I felt like that was a preview for what we're going to see Thursday of the Lions once again are going to find a way to disappoint. Deshaun Watson is going to be too much, even as bad as the Texans are. Uh, Deshaun Watson has bailed out this Texans team uh, this season. I think that he's going to win there in Detroit. Yeah, I think he could too. I mean, it's just a Lions tradition at this point. And and every week that goes on and we see this Lions team, I just feel worse and worse for for Matthew Stafford. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. Um, The Washington football team taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys on Thanksgiving against their division rivals, and both teams are still competing for a division title. Just a half game back of the Eagles at this point. A pivotal game in the NFC East with the Cowboys favored at three. Tom, we saw that uh, Andy Dalton coming back was big for the Cowboys last week against the Vikings getting that win there. I think they're a different football team with Andy Dalton as opposed to, you know, the all the redheaded uh, stepchilds not named Andy Dalton that were playing quarterback for them before. Um, you know, Andy Dalton's not Dak Prescott, but I think he's a big upgrade from those other guys. I I, I like the Cowboys here, but they're still a bad team. Uh, don't get me wrong uh, by any means. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, who plays on Monday night? Is it the Eagles or the Giants that play on Monday night? Uh, it's the Eagles playing the Seahawks. We'll get to that in a bit. Right, and and, and the funny thing about this division is, uh, you know, whoever wins takes advantage of the division. You know, so if if Redskins win, or sorry, Washington football team, it's, it's a Thanksgiving tradition that it's the R words. It, it You know, it's – it's almost as bad as still saying Oakland. It's it happens, right? Um, you know. But that being said, whoever wins those games take advantage of the division at that point in time. So Dallas or the R words or the Washington football team, 
they really need to get a new name quick. Um, like probably that should be if their goal, their goal as soon as their playoff chances are eliminated, they need to focus on going ahead and getting a name. Um, but Can that you being said, if they win that division and they're like, you know what, we were so bad, we didn't even have a name, and we still won the division. They just keep it. They're like, you know what? This is the first time we've made the playoffs in forever. So, we're, you know, we're just going to go ahead and keep being the Washington football team until we don't, you know, until we're as bad as the R wards. Right. Uh, right. But whoever wins takes advantage of the division for that time being. So if, if Dallas wins, they take the advantage of the division. And then if the Eagles or if the Giants, you know, win their respective games on Sunday and then Monday, then, that will fall into place. But, Jones, this division is going to get to host a playoff game. Isn't that a disappointment? It's terrible. To think, too, you know, as far as the playoff race goes, you know, we're going to have more wild cards this year than ever before. Um, You know, three wild card teams, and they're not rolling out the possibility of expanding the playoffs even to eight this year just because of COVID and that type of stuff. So, potentially even four wild card teams. Uh, but with that being said, Tom, the wild card has never meant more than it ever has before of being that number five seed. That's a huge advantage for whoever is the five seed to get to play the NFC East champion uh, there. I mean, if if you're a team like you know Seattle or Arizona or Tampa Bay or uh, you know just whoever it is it is vital to get that five seed and go play in Dallas or Philly or D.C. or New York, wherever it is. Yeah, that's disgusting to even think about a playoff game at, at the Meadowlands. That, oh is, that, is, that is a 2020 sin waiting to happen. It is. Uh, the nightcap, the Ravens taking on the Steelers. We're going to pick this game coming up in our pick segment later on in the show. Tom, I view this game like this. The Steelers here are playing for pride. They're playing for the rivalry, to keep the perfect season going. A loss here doesn't affect them at all, but it does hurt their momentum and their mojo. The Ravens are playing for their season. They lose, their playoff hopes are almost done at this point. Must-win game for the Ravens. Yeah, it is a must-win, and unfortunately – with COVID going on and just injuries, they're not gonna. They're gonna have Justice Hill, the great Oklahoma State Cowboy, Justice Hill at running back. Uh, we'll talk about this game more later, but uh, Jones, I, I think your I think your home team stuffs them like a turkey. <laughs> Turducken is uh, what will be for dinner. Uh, what, what's a turkey and a raven? <laughs> what's a turkey and a raven? Turducken. A turvin. A turvin. <laughs> tough acting to acting right oh i miss john madden we need john madden back just for thanksgiving um if anything else the raiders taking on the falcons falcons are so bad tom uh i think the raiders this could be like their blowout win of the year i expect them to really just hammer at home against uh atlanta on sunday yeah, I'd be shocked. After the game the Raiders played against the Chiefs so close, I would be shocked to see them, you know, drop or even come close to dropping a game against the Falcons. Bills take on the Chargers. The Bills are a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. 
Trap game for the Bills here, Tom. I, I would not be shocked if the Chargers went into Buffalo and won this one. You know, I I still like Justin Herbert. I mean, the you know the Chargers are are trash, and uh, but you know Justin Herbert, all situations you know aside, he's I thought he's played great so far this season. Yeah, the uh, Bengals taking on the Giants. The G Men five and a half point favorites. No Joe Burrow the rest of the year. For the Bengals, Tom, uh, the, the Giants, they better win this one. Who's who's the Bengals' backup? You know, that's the million-dollar question, and I don't, uh, I don't know if I can tell you, to be honest. No, I don't know if I can tell you either. Oh, it I is. Mean. Okay, here is their backup. Ryan Finley. Oh, former Packer? Yes. Oh, my. Yeah, oh, my is right. Yeah, that's 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 bad. Have fun with that. Um, <laughs> the Titans take on the Colts. We'll pick this game later on in the show. Tom, this AFC race, AFC South race, is pretty competitive. Both these teams, uh, you know, this division could go either way between these two. Uh, they, they've been fun to watch this year and have made some noise uh, in the AFC as a whole. Yeah, they have. And, and the Colts, golly, Jones, we try to sell them. We've been trying to sell them for a long time, and they just won't sell. Um, I'm still not buying them, though. Right. They're the, the, uh, the, the house on the housing market that is still up for sale. You're looking at it, but you don't want to put an offer down. You're like, yeah, we'll check back on it later, see if it's still available. Maybe we can put a lower offer on it or something. But, yeah, I'm, I'm still not – Fighting into Indy. I'm all in on the Titans, though, Tom. Uh, I got to tell you, I like the way that they play. Mike Vrabel, I think, is a top-five coach in this league. Um, I'm all in. I like the uh, Titans uh, for what they're doing this season. We'll uh, talk about this game more coming up later. Panthers and the Vikings. We'll also pick this game coming up later on in the show as well. Uh, Vikings are a four-point favorite, and, you know – I look at, Tom, this game is a tale of seasons going in completely different directions. Here they are with very similar records, both at four wins. But I think they have completely different attitudes about their four-win seasons. The Panthers are thrilled to be at this point. Many thought that they were going to tank and try to get the number one pick, try to get you know Trevor Lawrence or whatever it may be. They were just going to be awful. That hasn't been the case. They've been what we call a good-bad team. The Vikings – on paper, looked like a team that could compete in the NFC and were the favorites to win their division. Now they're sitting two games below 500 here. Um, just totally different you know, seasons for these two teams despite having similar records here. You got to be feeling a lot better about yourselves if you're Carolina going into this game than what Minnesota's at right now. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean Matt Rule has to be feeling pretty good. Mike Zimmer, on the other hand, not so much. Are, are we on the uh, fire Mike Zimmer train, Tom? Man, I don't mind Mike Zimmer, but, man, you let Diggs go, and and instead you you buy Kirk Cousins. And you extended you, him. You, yeah, you get what you pay for. I mean, they're reaping the consequences. Consequences can be good and bad. They're getting the bad end of them, and rightfully so. Cardinals taking on the Patriots. This game is in Foxborough. New England is a two-and-a-half-point underdog here. Tom, 
Tyler Murray and company, they really need this one badly here. Um, I know New England's been kind of up and down, but this, I, I don't care, you know, who who's playing quarterback. Um, you put Patriots on your chest at home in Foxborough in November. Um, this is going to be a challenge for Kyler Murray and company on the road making that road trip. I like them to win it, but I, I think New England's going to make it tough on them. Yeah, they are. Uh, I mean – you know, Bill Belichick still no slouch. Granted, what you know they went through this season, but uh, this is a needed win for the Cardinals to stay. Like, like I said, and we've said this multiple times, with how the wild card stretching out. Um, I mean, you're you're getting at least two teams from the NFC West. So and so at that point in time, it's the Seahawks and Cards fighting for second at this point just because the Rams just beat the Bucks, and you know um, Cardinals still have two games against the Rams though and but you know I, I think for Kyler Murray and crew it's got to be one game at a time and you know fortunately travel cross country uh, on Thanksgiving weekend and and take on a, a team from Foxborough Foxborough is a lot like Ames Iowa yeah yeah I think you're right um, the Dolphins take it on the Jets. Tua got benched last week for Fitzpatrick. Tua is going to get the start. And he kind of got a wake-up call of sorts after just a week ago saying that he thought playing in the NFL was easy and, you know, has that really bad performance last week. Tom, uh, Tua needs the bounce back here. I think for confidence, you know, after getting benched and all that stuff here, um, you know, to, to a needs that, you know, just for his maturation process, but playing against the Jets, I don't see any reason why to think he won't play well Sunday. I think he'll play well too, but I mean, are we on the, are we on the boat here just to, uh, just think about the Jets here and give them a little airtime, the more time than they deserve. Are the Jets going to lose every game? Do we want to look at that schedule? No, no, we don't. But I think, I think oh, I'm already are, there. The you already lost. Gonna... You already convinced me. All right. Dolphins, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots. Oh, man. Maybe the – no, I can't even see the Patriots. They're not going to lose the Patriots. Patriots are not going to let that happen. I think, Jones, if I'm going to pick one game and I'm going to be wild here, I'm just going to get crazy here. We're doing this not on the normal day of the show. I'm getting wild. I think the Jets, if they're going to win one game this year, this is going to be it. Ooh. Okay. If they're going to win one this year, they're not going to beat the Seahawks. They're not going to beat the Patriots. Where's the Patriots game at? The Patriots game is in Foxborough. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, not going to beat – yeah, they're not going to beat the Rams, knock on wood. Um, but, yeah, I maybe – you got them. You got the Dolphins coming in. They they were riding real high. They were one of those teams that got a lot of credit and you know a lot of hype, and then you know flunked the game out here uh, against the Broncos. Uh, you know, maybe you know at same division, kind of like the Bills had to go through a rough stretch. Maybe the Dolphins need a rough stretch. I'm gonna go out on a limb and just take a hot take. If the Jets win one game this season, it's gonna be this week. Okay. You've heard it first. The Browns taking on the Jags. Uh, if Baker and company don't play a good game here, um, then there should be a lot of cause for concern here. The Browns, 
this should be one that they put away just fine uh, against Jacksonville, you would think. And, and to even, you know, think about wild card here for the Browns, you know, do not take – for if you're a Browns fan or if you're obviously a Browns player, don't take this game lightly. Um, go in and knock out the Jags like you know how to do. Um, you know the. Steelers I mean, the, the Jags gave care. the Packers a game a couple weeks ago. The, yeah, they did, but that's what I'm saying. Don't take the Jags lightly. You know the Steelers should probably do their job against the Ravens, and and then you can you know lock up a, a, you know for the time being a second place in the in in, in your division. So uh, maybe the Browns. This is the time to get the wild card going. Uh, if you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I'd have been like, well, I don't know about that, but. Um, there we're here for a reason. the The Browns don't look bad. The Browns on my list are a lot like the Colts. Yeah, and they beat the Colts actually earlier in the year. So right, the Saints taking on the Broncos. Saints a six point favorite. Taysom Hill getting his second start at the quarterback position. Tom, you know I, I don't know what Taysom Hill's future holds at the quarterback position, but. Another lowly opponent. I think he's going to be fine. I'm waiting for the day when Taysom Hill takes on some real competition, and then we'll see how good he really is potentially as a quarterback. Right, and I think for the Saints, they should they should really try to go ahead and get an early lead going, um, a comfortable lead. And I think they should, you know, see what Winston's got in the tank as well. I think they should kind of uh, this should be a tester game. Um, as long you know, take care of business early and then coast and find out what you've got. Um, because, you know, when Drew Brees does come back this season, uh, you're not want to – you don't – you know, you want to have a backup plan just in case he gets hurt again. Right. Yeah, you do. Um, the 49ers taking on the Rams. Tom, the, the 49ers have been a hot mess in 2020. They won this game the last time these two teams played, though. No way the Rams let that happen again, though. Not in SoFi. Knock on wood, Rams are still undefeated in SoFi Stadium. Um, you got to think they'll probably split here. I, I don't – maybe they're the Rams kryptonite this season. Who knows? Uh, you know, Rams played that defense is as advertised. Um, so, Goff looks – a little bit more comfortable after that Dolphins loss. I mean, Rams really needed that bye week, and they got it, and they, they look like a more collected team after that. Uh, for me as a, a Rams fan, for me it's more of a game-by-game game game basis and take what you can get, um, and hopefully they do that this weekend. But you got to think, it, the Jones, the line is a touchdown. I think the Rams could win. The, this is very much a push game as well for me. Yeah. Um, how about the uh, Bears and the Packers, Tom? We've seen some great performances from Khalil Mack against the Packers. He's given Aaron Rodgers some fits. I think that he's going to play another good game on Sunday night. Problem is he's, he can't play quarterback for the Bears, too. Yeah, if, they, if he could play quarterback, uh, Matt Nagy would probably put him there. <laughs> he probably better than what they got, too. Actually. They probably tested him out in practice. As bad as the Bears look right now. Yeah. Um, we'll pick that game later. Seahawks and the Eagles. The Eagles are at home. Big game for the Eagles for 
their division to try to win that. The Seahawks, though, um, with, with Carson Wentz being just such a hot mess, I mean, a couple interceptions, and the Seahawks, you know, they, they have this easy. I think they're a better team if both teams play at their best. The Seahawks are probably about seven or ten points better. If, you, if Carson Wentz does Carson Wentz things and gives them a couple turnovers, this could get ugly. Yeah, it could. I mean, Seahawks still have a good offense despite how Russell Wilson pretty much just threw away his MVP chance in the last three three or so games. Um, but, you know, the Seahawks still a good football team. Eagles, not so much. <laughs> and there you have it. That is our NFL uh, rundown this week uh, going around the National Football League here on the Jones Report. And uh, we will bring in Dominic Oregon here in just a moment. But uh, coming up later on in the show, we'll talk college football. We'll do our Big 12 breakdown segment. Also, the first college football playoff rankings have been released. We'll talk about that as well. Also, our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up on the other side. Stay with us as we're all along here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from the RacingExperts.com. He's also the co-host of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. He'll be joining me and David each and every Tuesday to talk the latest in NASCAR news. It's our buddy Dominic Aragon who is back on the Jones Report this week. Dominic, we're, we're usually not used to talking much racing in December, but I, I think we have a good reason to uh, today. Appreciate you joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me along, Tal. It seems like every day there's something new developing within one of the three national touring series or something with a driver going on. Yeah, and uh, one of those happens to be with the NASCAR Xfinity Series driver David Starr is uh, launching a podcast uh, that's going to be featuring you and I. We'll co-host the show with him. Going to be out every Tuesday beginning next week. And uh, I know you're excited about it. I'm excited about it. And David is thrilled. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. People are going to have to tune in and uh, download this thing each and every Tuesday. I agree with you. They're going to be hearing some great stories, great perspective. They'll hear our backstory, but, of course, Dave's. And, man, Dave's been around the sport 20-plus years, so he's got some great stories he's going to be sharing. And he'll be bringing on some, some guests down the road, too, some people in racing. There's just going to be a lot that's going on with this podcast. And, man, I've been telling you and I've been telling Dave since the beginning when we started really brainstorming this and this thing has come to fruition, there's no reason this thing can't be as big as what we see with Dale Jr.'s platform or Michael Waltrip's platform. There's going to be some really fun, really great stories. And like even Dave said, he loves hearing people's stories. We're going to laugh at times. We may cry at times. It's going to be a great, great podcast. It's going to be a great addition to what NASCAR fans are already consuming as far as news and media. Yes, no question about it. And uh, I got to know, and, and we might even bring this up on a Tuesday's show, what was your first interaction with David? Uh, tell me about the, the relationship you've had with him over the years. Yeah, so when the race chance, which was first getting started 2010, 2011, we were starting to cover the sport more consistently and frequently. One thing I did, I really wanted to start building contacts and start breaking news within the sport. And he had just signed that deal with Levine family racing to run the partial schedule in 2011 in the 95 car. And that first race was going to be Texas. So reached out to his PR team and it was like a week or two before the race. And we did an interview and kind of just, stayed in touch and met him for the first time at Kansas in 2014. We were supposed to do a phone interview the, like a few weeks before it hadn't worked out, but he 
was running that race with a part-time team in the Xfinity series at that time. And, and he and I just kind of stayed in touch ever since. And we run into each other at the racetrack and our team has helped the more we can. And, you know, one of those things too, with a small team, a lot of times they don't have access to photos or video or the, the resources that some of these bigger teams have, even like on the public relations side. So we've helped him out with some photos for his social media pages over the years. And I think that really helped kind of solidify our relationship and, and then brought you into the fold, right? I know you've known David a while, but I think we all really started talking last year. It was after the Miami race weekend. So a little inside baseball here. After the uh, Homestead championship race that Kyle Busch won last year, uh, you, you told me, hey, we're going to dinner with a David Starr, and we got to leave right now. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, I, I was still wrapping up stuff, so I just wrapped up as quickly as I possibly could. And we uh, we end up going to the Olive Garden with David Starr in <laughs> in Homestead, and David brings his gift cards and and uh, I mean we uh, we picked out we had a good time I, I did the uh, the uh, endless pasta I believe and, me too <laughs> and David you know he, he's such a character we really got to know him we kind of just all hit it off there I'd met him before at Kansas Speedway too. And, uh, I mean, from there, ran into him in Daytona and just kept in touch. And, and uh, I mean, just things just really took off from there. But I think the thing that I like most about David, and I bet a lot of people would have a similar answer to this too, is that David is what would be if, the, if just the average man was, was a race car driver. He's not trying to be someone he's not. He's not trying to pretend to be somebody else. He's so relatable, and uh, his personality, uh, who he is, I mean, it's, it's uh, contagious. And so I think that's what people are going to attract towards with David is uh, it, it, they're going to gravitate towards that of just who he is in, in that sense. Absolutely. He's, he's somebody who holds a job Monday through Friday outside of what he does with driving the Xfinity Series, along with taking his boys to football practice or being there for his family or – driving a truck, mowing the lawn. I mean, he, like you said, I think you couldn't have said any better. He's, he's your average guy. He's your, your hardworking American who drives a race car on the weekend. Right. Yeah. And so we're going to have a lot of fun with David and it uh, should be a great podcast. Let's go racing with David Starr. Uh, Dominic, what are we going to have on uh, the first show coming up on Tuesday? Well, I think you're going to hear a little bit about everybody's backstory, how we got here, how this podcast formed, why we formed it, what we're wanting to do with it. And I think we'll kind of, take the next direction after that. But I think that first show, you're going to hear a little bit about my backstory, a little bit about your backstory and David's as well. And I think we'll just kind of progress from there. I think it's going to be a really fun show to introduce everything. And at the same time, we're going to be hitting the ground running. Yeah. And I'll say this, you know, we've been hearing so much negative coverage when it comes to COVID-19 and, and I get it, you know, it's a, it's a pandemic for crying out loud. There's a lot of bad things that have come with that. But I've always been of the belief, Dominic, in anything, that when life gets you down, when you have those you know, bad things happen to you, that something good will come out of it. And in any circumstance whatsoever, something good will come out of a bad situation. And I don't think we launched this podcast if the pandemic doesn't happen. We uh, you know, got close to David, and you know he – 
you know, ended up losing his ride and looking for other options, looking for other streams and revenue to come in and other ways to connect with his fans. You and I all of a sudden had more time on our hands. We were doing more work from home and stuff like that. Um, this was something that actually the pandemic benefited us where if all this doesn't happen, I don't think we're doing this show and we're, we're bringing this to, uh, to race fans everywhere uh, without uh, what has transpired the last several months. I agree with you. He had a full-time ride there at JD Motorsports in the six-car sponsorship, and the pandemic really threw that out of whack. And like you said, he lost his ride and kind of picked up some part-time races across the schedule. And, yeah, I actually asked David a few days ago, hey, somebody told you you would be doing a podcast of this. What would you have said like six months ago? Goes, oh, I wouldn't have believed it. Heck no, there just wouldn't have been the time for it. But you're right, that time factor, seeing that we had a lot more time to work with. And, and then Dave, I think seeing and, and realizing how much his fans are going to be looking forward to hearing this week in and week out, I think he's got him excited too. So yeah, unfortunately the pandemic has caused a lot of things to get uprooted, but this is one thing that has been a plus for all of us, I think. And we have the outlet to talk about one of our favorite sports here, week in yeah. and week out. Dave gets to share those stories. And, and he even told me, too, he loves hearing people's stories. And, and he told me this was his first endeavor into media. But I, And I think this goes for all three of us. I think we're all going to be better interviewers. We're going to be better listeners. We're going to be hearing and asking better questions as time goes on because we're just going to have this open-ended platform to do all this. No question. No question about it. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be great to see. Let's go racing with David Starr. Set the debut on Tuesday. Check it out on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, I think we're going to have a YouTube component as well. And we'll have all those details. Make sure to follow uh, Star Podcast on Twitter. Also check out the Facebook page for more updates there. And uh, as we go along uh, throughout this process. And uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm oh, yeah. up. And and to think that you know this is this is our endeavor. I mean, this is there's no middleman exactly. to it. I mean, Dominic and I are you know making all this happen. So uh, you know it's kind of cool just for our sake that you know hey we have some content ownership of sorts. You know that's you know worth something here. So absolutely. And I think we even looking at the marketing point of all this and and what we're doing outside of this podcast. I haven't looked like like sim racing, right? Sim racing is a very popular endeavor for a lot of people. Well, I'm going to run the star podcast on my car. You might even be suiting up here to run some sim racing. I think people would get a kick out of hearing about that. What's the story there hearing that you're going to be climbing into a virtual race car at Texas motor speedway. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, so Dominic got me into this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I got to jump into this. I have no idea what I'm doing here, but the goal is to, uh, you know, not wreck out before the first lap, I, I guess. Uh, I, I'm still learning at this as, as I go along, just like everybody else, I guess. Yeah, it's a beautiful 07 Star Racing podcast in that bright, vibrant orange. It's going to be a hard-to-miss car there on the racetrack. Okay, so that, that'll be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Uh, real quick, uh, who are some guests you think we might have? Who, who are some people to look for and uh, that we could potentially have on the podcast down the line, you think? I think just between you and I, I think we've got some really good connections with the media and some drivers and David knows a lot of people as well. So I think really anything is possible. And I think 
short run. I wouldn't be surprised to see some drivers that he has raced against, some, some people that we have good connections with, somebody like a Jeff Bodine, maybe Brett Bodine could come on the show. I think it'd be awesome to see some of these drivers and, Hey, maybe even Todd Bodine, we can get more information from Todd and David about their little scuffle years ago. Yeah. And then, as well as some media members too. I think we, between the both of us, we know people at Fox Sports, ESPN, NBC Sports. And I think it's just great to have friends and guests and people that we've known over the years come in and give their perspective, along with some people from, from my site at theracingexperts.com. I'm sure we'll see some of those guys rotating in and out of the show and some different media members that we, we closely associate with. It's going to yeah. be really fun. A lot of variety, I think. No question. No, no doubt about it. And uh, I'm excited. We'll launch this here in just a couple of days and, and uh, have some more information out as uh, we get closer to that. But we will uh, move on, Dominic. Uh, let's start with Chase Elliott, the uh, Cup Series champion. Great finish of the year for him. Three out of the, fat, the last five races, he ended up in victory lane and took home the title. And, uh, I mean, the excitement from NASCAR Nation. We know he's the most popular driver, but uh, th this is – felt like a, a hero's welcome of sorts uh, with Chase Elliott winning this title. I mean, this is uh, – as much as I would have liked to see Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin win it with the seasons they've had, um, the, the excitement level could not be higher for Chase Elliott bringing home his first career title at this point. Absolutely. And I think when we look back 20, 30 years from now and they're showing highlights from this season, it's kind of like when you look at 1992, right, that battle with Bill Elliott. Alan Kulwicki, Jeff Gordon's first race, Richard Petty's last race. We're going to see so many highlights from just even the Phoenix race weekend alone because that was Jimmy Johnson's final race as a full-time competitor. And Chase Elliott wins his first title in that race. It was kind of like a passing of the torch moment. And a very popular win. I believe Chase is the 34th different series champion in the NASCAR Cup Series. And his title run this year had such shades of Kevin Harvick's 2014 title run where Harvick was backed into a corner, had to win out or win one of the races to advance to the championship four and then has the great performance at Homestead. Chase did the same thing. He had to win at Martinsville the week before if he was going to advance and compete for a title. And then the adversity race day, failing pre-race inspection, having to start in the back, clawing his way through the field to get up front and lead the most laps, Tyler Hollywood couldn't have written a better story, especially with NASCAR's most popular driver coming home with his first title. What does it do for the sport as far as, you know, the, the popularity goes for Chase Elliott to win this? They've been pushing this youth movement for a couple of years. It seemed like that the younger drivers weren't holding up their end. Now at 24 years old, Chase winning this title here. This is probably the best thing that could have happened to NASCAR and, uh, you know, for its popularity and promoting these younger drivers to have Chase, of all people, win the title. Makes me think, what was I doing at 24 years old? <laughs> Being 26. 24 years old. What am I doing? What are we doing with our lives, right? No, it's awesome to see somebody with the youth moment, the youth movement, I should say, winning this title. I think there's a lot of high hopes for William Byron, Ryan Blaney, and I think Joey Logano to a point, too, because – Logano's only 30, 31 years old. So he's one of the younger guys, but he's been in the Cup Series for so long. But to see Chase Elliott actually pull through and beat some of these veteran guys, beat out two past champions in Keselowski and Logano in that championship race, and Denny Hamlin, who I think we can all agree was certainly favored to win that title, gosh, Elliott put on a clinic. And I think this is good for the sport moving forward because everybody loves a winner, but everybody loves a popular winner. And Chase Elliott – 
winning the most popular driver award and the title in the same year, you have just solidified your fan base, not only with Chase, but and his fans, but I think with other people taking notice, like, whoa, this popular guy, why is he so likable? I don't know why, but I like him. I think it's going to have a trickle-down effect. I think fans are just going to be tuning in even more so next year to see how much Chase can try to back up that title run and if he can win more races. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Johnson, you mentioned that was his last race. He's retired from full-time cup racing. He's going to run all the road courses and street races in IndyCar next year. Just announced this past week, Tony Kanaan is going to run the ovals in uh, that 48 IndyCar. What are people expecting from Jimmy Johnson as uh, he makes this transition over to IndyCar? Road courses were not his strong suit in uh, NASCAR. Interesting move here to see him have this uh, emphasis on uh, road racing in the uh, IndyCar series. If there's anything about Jimmy Johnson, he loves a good challenge. And when you look at his cup career, seven championships, 83 wins, one road course win in those 83 wins. And that was a Watkins Glen, or I'm sorry, Sonoma in 2010. Not his strong suit. And you look at the last three years, it was a pretty bad fall off for a seven-time champion. And, and I always said if somebody started tuning into NASCAR the last couple of years, I think they'd have a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that, what, this guy won seven championships. But there's been talk, was it equipment? What was the case? Was Hendrick Motorsports not on its A-game like it was 10 years ago? But teaming up with Ganassi like he is in IndyCar, you're teaming up with the top team. So we're going to really get a good idea here. Is Johnson really, really good? Is the, the equipment – what's the case? I, I'm really curious to see how this challenge is going to work out in the IndyCar series. Yeah. And he's going to bring a lot of NASCAR fans too, I think, to watch that otherwise wouldn't have watched IndyCar in the first place. It's the best thing to happen to IndyCar since Danica Patrick was around. Ooh, you think so? I think so. That's I think a, that's, that's how a, big this is. It is a big thing. I mean, it'd be like Jeff Gordon running some IndyCar races. You, you have a big past champion, Dale Earnhardt Jr., right? I mean, Johnson never won most popular driver, but he was always in the top ten. Johnson is well-liked. Even when he went on his five straight years of stinking up the show, five straight titles, <laughs> people still like Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Uh, he, he certainly loved and respected, and uh, there'll be certainly some intrigue to see what he does in uh, the IndyCar circuit, and I, I guess he's going to run some other things too, not just IndyCar, the Rolex 24 with Chase Elliott, and, and I know that he's mentioned Lamaze as an idea, possibility of sorts here. J Jimmy Johnson is not retiring. He, he's just doing something different now. Absolutely, and he said this in reference to his family, right, that his family has always supported him. His wife and their girls have always 100% backed him on what he has wanted to do. Now he's screwing up his time because he wants to be able to back them up 100% of what they want to do. And that's a, that's a selfless thing to say. And, and I think we've all grown to realize, especially during a pandemic era, time is your most valuable asset. And I think Johnson has truly realized that, too. They're wanting to spend as much time as he can with his family and support their endeavors. Couldn't ask for a better family, man. Yeah. Well, and, then, uh, and Chase Elliott, we mentioned him running, running uh, the Rolex 24 with Jimmy. Just found out that he's going to run the Chili Bowl in Tulsa, my hometown, where I'm actually at right now. Chase Elliott's starting to show that, you know, he, he wants to, you know, do some different things here as well. Uh, we're, we're starting to see more NASCAR guys branch off. I, I talked to Kurt Busch a couple of uh, months ago, and he said that, you know, he's got all sorts of stuff he wants to do. He wants to do the Indy 500 again, and he wants to do 
Lamas and some of these other guys, some of these other things. The, these NASCAR drivers, it seems like, you know, for so many years we're stuck in, you know, trying to do the grind of the 36-week schedule. Now they're, they're, they're trying to find more freedoms. They want to just hop into anything, uh, much like what Tony Stewart's done. And I think Jeff Gordon really set the bar for that a few years back because up until when Gordon had retired, you would see a lot of these guys race into their late 40s, into their early 50s, and still run competitively. And when Gordon stepped out when he did in 2015, he was, what, 43 years old, 44 years old, kind of set the bar lower. Carl Edwards steps out the next year at 36. And you're starting to see guys step away a little sooner. I don't know if maybe it was just a coincidence or Gordon started the trend, but you're seeing a lot of guys – step out and want to try different things. I mean, Jeff Gordon ran the 24 hours of Daytona in 2017. I don't think he would have been able to do that, or it might have been a lot harder if he was still running in the Cup Series full-time. But you're right. You have all these freedoms when you're no longer held to a 36-race contract for however long you signed for a team with. So we might see that more. And like I used to think, oh, Joey Logano is going to break Richard Petty's start streak. He started at 18 years old, but you look now – 10, 11 years removed from his first Cup Series race in 2008. I mean, he's already run almost 400 races in NASCAR's top series, and he's got his family, and he's got his son, and wouldn't be surprised if he steps out in his 30s, like his late 30s. I mean, he still has a little bit of time to go, but I think the days of seeing guys run into their late 40s and early 50s is over. Yeah, and that's quite the change uh, in, in that sense. Dominic Aragon of the Racing Experts joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, Kyle Larson, probably the biggest free action, free agent acquisition of the offseason. He's going to jump into the five car as Alex Bowman moves into the 48 car. Kyle Larson, I mean, he was compared to right up there with Chase Elliott when it came to young drivers. Those two were kind of 1A, 1B. Uh, Chase, mm-hmm. coming off that championship, his toughest competition might be right there in his own Hendrick Motorsports table. What are you expecting out of uh, – Kyle Larson in a year number one at Hendrick. Shouldn't be much changeover, too. He was running Hendrick equipment at Ganassi. Absolutely. And Hendrick Motorsports equipment, let's be honest, might be just a little bit better than Ganassi. And I was talking with Jeff Bodine about this about a month ago, and they announced that the five car was coming back. Kyle Larson was going to be running. And, and he shared his opinions on all that. But he really told me, yeah, this team's going to hit the ground running. You have such a talent like Kyle Larson and the equipment and – all the materials and things you have to go out and win races right off the bat, Hendrick Motorsports. No, we're going to see Kyle Larson in the playoffs next year. It's just a matter of how far is this team going to get running into the playoffs. And and this is a team too. I mean, it's just the rebranded 88 team. They made the playoffs the last few years. Kyle Larson is a playoff caliber driver. I think we're going to see Larson lead a bunch of laps. And even if he doesn't win a race in 2021, that team is still going to be strong enough where they point their way into the playoffs and can advance pretty far through it, I think. Yeah, I expect them to get a victory lane at least a couple times in 2020, um, or 2021, rather. Um, I got big expectations for Kyle Larson, and, and uh, you know, it's a big turnaround story, too. Uh, you know, he, he certainly, you know, has, you know, it looks like that he's changed, that after what he went through, he learned from it. Now he needs to, you know, put the performance together on the track and uh, go from there. The schedule yeah. for 2021 is quite different than any schedule we've seen as of late. What most excites you about 2021? I'm excited about all the road course races. Coda being added to the schedule, the Indy road course being utilized instead of the traditional oval. 
And then Road America being added back onto the schedule. I think they ran once in like 1956 or 1957. Ned Jarrett won that race. So great to see NASCAR listen to the fans. And, and you and I talked about this a few weeks back. NASCAR really does take that listening ear, and they listen to their fans. And when the fans – Sometimes too much. Maybe a little too much sometimes, but I think here was, was a good move because you look at the NFL schedule, and I hate to make that comparison – NASCAR to ball and stick sports, but you don't have the same schedule in the 16 weeks or the 17 week schedule for the regular season. It's always different. And I think changing it up the way they have, I mean, I get it. You have to have some of your marquee events in the same races in the same more or less times of the year. But the fact that they have shaken up the regular season is, is just awesome. And I think road racing, we're going to see some guys really shine like Chase Elliott has been phenomenal on these road courses the last couple of years. And, and I think this also opens the door for, maybe a lower budget team to bring in a road course specialist, run the full season, knowing that you have six road course races that you can run and maybe make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, that'll be uh, certainly great to see. And uh, I'm excited about it. I, I want to make it out to Coda or road America, one of the two and, and yeah. just see what this is like. And, and uh, hopefully as we get closer to the end of this pandemic here, that uh, we see some more fans and just that excitement continue for uh, NASCAR racing at uh, its highest level. Uh, at that point going yeah. forward. I, I got to ask you while you're here, uh, it mm -hmm. seems like that one of the biggest racing items, and I'd be curious what David thinks about it too when we start his podcast, is this superstar racing experience that Tony Stewart and Ray Everett have are putting together, uh, you know, going to be, what, six weeks next summer? That mm -hmm. is getting a lot of attention, and that should be exciting to see that come together. They're getting, they're getting talent from all over. Oh, yeah, they've brought in like, – Tony Kanaan's going to be running. Then you have Bobby Labonte. You have a lot of just great guys. That, it's going to be a great throwback league, right? And I think this replaces that void that IROC kind of left behind when they shut down in the mid-2000s. And maybe that's the goal here. As we'll start off this first season with some of these legendary guys, like Bill Elliott getting back behind the wheel of a race car. It's going to be really cool to see. And as this series starts to evolve and develop, you start seeing more current guys come back and into the fold, kind of like how we saw with the IROC series. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking a little too far down the road on that, but I think maybe that's something – or maybe that's the direction they're hoping for. And, and Tyler, I think you might know this. They're going to be airing the races on CBS Sports, correct? Yes, uh, on, uh, on big CBS, yeah. Oh, big CBS, even better. There we go. I think this is going to be a great racing series. I'd love to get out and cover a couple of these races next year. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, um – I know they're going to Eldora, and Eldora lost their truck race, but I don't know any of the details about where else they're going. Same, same. So, I, And maybe the schedule's been released, but I just haven't paid attention to it. But I would love to go and go see what one of these races is all about, and hopefully we're kind of back to a, a more normal season. Yeah. Um, I, I got to ask you, Dominic, as we're wrapping up here, uh, Thanksgiving coming up tomorrow. What's, uh, what's on the menu at the, uh, the Oregon household? Yeah, we're going to have, of course, your traditional turkey and ham, mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing and a little bit of green beans and corn. But with that New Mexico spin, if hey, my fellow New Mexicans or Arizonans, you all know about having red chili on your plate there on your Thanksgiving meal. So that's what we're going to have. We'll have a nice big bowl of red chili. And Tyler, next time you're out here, we're going to have to give you some red chili. And you're going you're gonna to be so blown away that you're going to have to have it at every Thanksgiving meal. And the, one of the big things, too, and, and I shared this recipe with you, my mom only makes this three times a year. It's, and I don't know the exact name of it. But you get this giant punch bowl. You pour seven up. 
Dole pineapple juice, and then any name brand rainbow sherbet ice cream. And it is like the best drink ever. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the Super Bowl is the only time she makes these. And I'm looking forward to, to drinking like too much of that tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and make it. But uh, my mother, she had a question. Uh, can you add alcohol to it? Ooh, you probably could add some alcohol. I'm guessing, gosh, maybe maybe a little bit of gin. I don't know. Maybe something clear. Maybe, maybe a little vodka. I'm, I'm sure you could. Yeah. I, I've Run this by your mother and get back to me and see what she says <laughs> as far as what alcohol she'd recommend. Just for you, I will ask her if there's an alcohol that would be good to add it. I'm sure there is. I'm sure spiking that up would be even better. <laughs> I spiked up ice cream. Now we have America sold. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, let's go racing with David Starr set to launch next week. Dominic, we will see you then. Where can people follow all your work and uh, what do you guys get going on? The racing experts. Yeah, they can follow us along facebook.com slash the racing experts, same as Instagram or on Twitter at the racing experts. And we've partnered with you before on some of the things we do on that Twitter page. We've been doing a lot of giveaways, a lot of NASCAR memorabilia, autographed relics, hero cards, die cast, you name it. We've, we've been doing those about twice a week. So if you want to win some free NASCAR gear, all you got to do is just follow us on Twitter and, and retweet our giveaways. And we've been seeing a lot more people do a lot of that. And we've been giving a lot of cool gifts away. We have some more stuff planned. We're just getting started with that. Awesome stuff. Dominic, thanks for the time as always, my friend. We'll talk again uh, on Tuesday for uh, Let's Go Racing. Let's go racing. Big thanks to Dominic Oregon for joining us here at the Jones Report today. It's Iowa Jones back here with you now as we continue with this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em. We picked five college games, five NFL games against the spread. Brian O'Connor and Thomas Bridges join me, and we'll start with Brian O'Connor of O'Connor Advisory Group. Coach Bo, what's happening this week? Hope you have a good Thanksgiving, my friend. Hey, you know, we got, we're going to keep it kind of low-key over here. Just me, the wife, and the kiddo this Thanksgiving. And uh, I know a lot of folks are going through that right now. They're kind of worried about their families and kind of low-keeping things as low-key as possible. But uh, if you're thinking about your family and you got some planning you need to do, give us a shout at O'Connor Advisor. Can let us help you out. We want to be your partner in your retirement and in your insurance and anything we can do for you financially. Yeah, and where can people reach out to you, Bo? You can check us out at um, O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. You can also uh, give us a call, 785-856-0720. And coming soon, very soon, our new website, it'll be O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. Yes, you want to check that out there. And I'm in Oklahoma right now, and you could be somebody from here, somebody from Missouri, Nebraska, Texas, wherever around the country. You can partner with O'Connor Advisory Group. A lot of options available for anybody and everybody to get involved with Bo and uh, his great team. Definitely want to check them out and uh, see what they can do to help you and your family. Uh, Thomas Bridges also here with us, as we mentioned. Tom, uh, you have now taken first place as I have fallen back. I had an awful week last week going two and eight, and you now have, what is it, a one or two game lead? Uh, I'm playing a little bit from behind here. So, Credit where credit's due. You had a good week uh, last week, and you're in first place. So I, I cede you the throne for now. Yeah, for now. We'll, we'll see. Um, you know, oh, I did. I, no one really had a good week this week besides Billy. You know, out of everybody that 
You know, you know, Bo looks like he pretty, you know, had a decent week there. I won four games. You won two. I was a game down, so I'm just a game up on you. Um, yeah, but Bo, you know, out of the, you know, out of this pick segment, actually, you know, looks like he had the highest at, at even 500. I know Billy won six games, and he's he's actually, I think you're tied with Billy right now. Uh, so Billy's kind of making a late push there, but. You know, across the board, save TJ and and Brian Nolan, um, it's getting close. Yeah, uh, and that's our picks contest with everybody that is entered uh, overall, but uh, not the best of weeks. Uh, The main thing, though, is I'm still ahead of Bo and still ahead of TJ. So, uh, you you know, and and I look at this, Tom, um, I'm not competing against you guys. I'm competing against the board and competing against Vegas. And I'm still beating the board and beating Vegas right now. We're, we're making progress. We're, it's brick by brick, step by step. So with that being said, let's uh, look at the games this week. In college football, we have some mixes of Thursday and Friday games with the Thanksgiving holiday. It starts on Friday with number two Notre Dame taking on number 25 North Carolina. Notre Dame, a five-point favorite. The Iron Bowl, also on Friday. Number 22, Auburn, taking on number one, Alabama. The Crimson Tide, a 24-point favorite. Number 15, Iowa State, takes on number 20, Texas. Despite Iowa State being the higher-ranked team, Texas is the favorites as a two-point favorite there. LSU, Bo's team, they travel to College Station to take on fifth-ranked Texas A&M. The Aggies, a two-touchdown favorite. The last college game, Colorado, they're undefeated to start out 2020. They take on another undefeated foe, number 19th ranked USC, SC at home, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. In the NFL, on Thanksgiving night, it's one of the best rivalries in the National Football League, the Ravens and the Steelers. The Steelers are red hot, 10-0, best record in football. The Ravens coming off a loss to the Titans. The Steelers are a a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. On Sunday, the Chiefs rolling off their big-time win against the Raiders, take on the Buccaneers. The Bucs, a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home, coming off that loss to the Rams. The Titans and the Colts, these two teams just met about two weeks ago, and the Colts got the better end of things in Nashville. As a result, the Colts are a four-point favorite against Tennessee. The Bears take on the Packers. Packers coming off that loss to the Colts. The Bears have been such a train wreck the last several weeks. They find themselves as a seven-and-a-half-point underdog against Green Bay. The Panthers take on the Vikings, and the Vikings are a four-point favorite at home against the Panthers. Status for Teddy Bridgewater, unknown as of yet, but it sounds like that he and Christian McCaffrey more than likely will be able to play coming up this Sunday, but we'll see. So let's go ahead and get started on the college football end of things. Number two, Notre Dame versus number 25, North Carolina. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you. Really good quarterback showdown here. Ian Book for Notre Dame's had a really good year for Notre Dame. And uh, on the other side uh, with uh, North Carolina, with what they've been able to do with, uh, with uh, Sam Howell, uh, this guy's you know moving up draft boards for next year so quickly as well, possibly as a first-round pick. Mac Brown, Brian Kelly, two good head coaches, two potential Hall of Fame head coaches, uh, is five points too much for Notre Dame in Chapel Hill? I don't think it is, and and I will take Notre Dame here. 
I'm more interested in the over-under for this game. North Carolina has been putting up the points that I thought Oklahoma State would this season. Um, They've been putting up numbers, right? Um, But Notre Dame, I mean, after that Clemson game, you know, I I know without Trevor Lawrence that defense came to play and smacked him in the mouth a little bit, just fired off the ball. I I can't not pick Notre Dame here. I mean, if it was – seven points I'm maybe I'm a little apt to not you know be so confident but uh I like touchdown Jesus this week all right Bo how about you I wish I had a better feel for North Carolina and I just don't um I would like to take a, a home dog about any time I can but Notre Dame's pretty good it really hurts my heart to say that, but um, I'm going to also take Notre Dame and lay the five. I was hoping to put the whammy on them last week when I took them, but actually won that game. So um, let's go ahead and ride that, that pony again. All right, uh, three for three. I'll take Notre Dame as well. I think they win this by a touchdown or 10 points. Not a blowout win. North Carolina's a respectable team, but that five-point margin I think is going to be just fine for Notre Dame to take care of business there. The Iron Bowl, number 22, Auburn taking on number one, Alabama. Bo, we'll start with you this time. Bama favored by 24. Is that too many points for the Tide against this Auburn bunch? You know, it's it could be a bit of an overreaction. I mean, Alabama just won a game 63-3 to against Kentucky. And if you'd gone back to the beginning of the season, you'd think, man, Kentucky's got one of the best defenses in the SEC. I think it goes to show more of just we just wacky year we have in college football. Normally, even when you have these giant spreads in the Iron Bowl, and Alabama's been a huge favorite a couple of times, Auburn has covered. But I'm going with the roll tide here and take Alabama. I just think they're the best team in the country. I don't think anyone's within three touchdowns of them right now. And I think 24 is doable. So I'm going to take Bama. I'll go with Alabama here as well. I don't think Auburn's a very good team, in all honesty. Um, You know, they've been a train wreck. I like Bo Nix, what he's done, but – He's just got no help around him. I mean, heck, they, they should have lost to Arkansas earlier in the year. Arkansas, for crying out loud. Um, I'll go with Alabama to cover that 24-point margin. I think we're talking about a blowout win uh, here for the Tide as they take care of business. I got them covered. Tom, who you got? Yeah, I have to take Alabama, too. I, I picked against Alabama in the Alabama-Georgia game. I, you know, I picked Georgia to cover. I'm, I'm not going to make the same mistake again. I'll, I'll take Alabama even at 24. Number 15, Iowa State taking on number 20, Texas. Despite the ranking, Texas, the favorite at two. And, you know, guys, for me, it's real simple. It sounds crazy to say this, but Iowa State is actually the more talented team here. With Brock Purdy, I think he's a better quarterback than Sam Ellinger. At the running back position, Brees Hall is a Heisman candidate. Charlie Kolar is going to be playing in the National Football League at that tight end spot. What Texas would give to have Iowa State's weapons is just something else. Iowa State's had some pretty decent success against Texas as of late as well. I like Iowa State to win the game outright, and you're going to spot me two points. That's too easy. I got to go Iowa State here. Tom, who are you going with? Yeah, I got to go. I got to go with the Purdy boys as well. Uh, You know, this is a tougher game for me to pick because maybe we see Iowa State, you know, fall. But last week blew out 
Kansas State, 45 nothing. You know, Texas offense a lot better than K-State's, but uh, the rate Iowa State's going, you'd be a fool not to. All right, Bo, who you got here? Okay, so we know Texas can score points. We know they can give up points. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go opposite here, take Texas minus two. The reason I'm going with Texas is we literally these first three games are picking the three schools I don't like the most, Notre Dame, <laughs> Alabama, and Texas. So if I'm going to go half in, I'm going to go all the way in and brute for all three of the teams I really dislike and go ahead and take Texas as well. I just think – I disagree with you a little bit, Jonesy. I think Ellinger's a better quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he's going to be an NFL quarterback, as a matter of fact. Ooh, I, I can't go there. I think, I think he'll play in the league. I do. I don't, I, don't think he's a, I don't think he's a consistent NFL starter. Sure. But I think he's going to make a roster. He could be a career backup. He's a, he's a kind of a Chase Daniel to me. Okay. I can with. And I like him. I think he's a good ball player. I think that he's the reason they score so many points. They score points. I'll take him. All right. Uh, Bo, we'll uh, start with you this time. Your LSU Tigers taking on number five, Texas A&M. The last time these two teams played in College Station, it was one of the greatest college football games of all time. A&M a 14-point favorite. Bo, are we going to have a game like we did a couple years ago here? You mean the game where the referees gave the game to A&M on oh three God. separate occasions? <laughs> we won that game three times. <laughs> Three times I watched that game. That was 74-72, for those of you who don't know. And it was just embarrassing. Um, all right, so let's be serious for a moment now, though. All right, is LSU really 14 points worse than Texas A&M? Who's the more talented team on the field? <laughs> hey, the more talented team is the guys in purple and gold. Yeah. They got more talent. They don't have a good quarterback, or they have a true freshman quarterback in T.J. Finley. I see why A&M's a favorite. At home, LSU's played inconsistently. But LSU is going to cover 14. And don't be surprised if Coach O goes in there with a freshman quarterback and wins this football game. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so there's a bold prediction there. I think LSU has something to prove. Okay. And they didn't have a loss to Alabama. That game got postponed. They're not going to make it back up. Don't have to worry about playing Bama. Okay. Nothing to lose. Throw it out there. All right. Tom, uh, did Bo convince you to take LSU? You know, I'm considering it. When, I mean, when's LSU played Arkansas and snuck by, which is Arkansas hasn't been bad this season. Uh, A&M, when's the last time A&M played? Good Lord. 48-3. to Beginning of the month, uh, fourteen's oh, a lot. Honestly, fourteen's a lot. And the next, really, the next two games is kind of really what I'm hammered on. It's it's either keep my lead or you know be generous with it. And I'm gonna just have to stick with A and M here. I I think this game. Hold, let, give me a second. See, this game. I looked at I looked at the slate today, and I just thought. You know, I'm like, well, LSU has been down here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll with A&M. I think this game could be an out, a route right push. Yeah, that you know what, that's a pretty good possibility, actually. I think you make a good point on that one. Um, I've gone back and forth in this one. I think I even had Texas A&M written in here, but 
Um, I think LSU, you know, they got off to that slow start to this year, but they'll get better as the season goes along. A&M wins, I think, but I, I'm kind of long Bo's line of thinking in the idea that 14, that's too much. Um, it is a, even though it's a fake one, it is a rivalry game of sorts. Um, you know, even though it's not a real rivalry, I'll go LSU to keep it within the 14 point margin. Um, there last college game, Colorado taking on USC, USC, uh, three and on the year. Nice win last week on the road against Utah, Colorado. They're two and themselves. Tom, who do you like here? You know, USC did beat Utah by more than 14 and, I think USC can do it again uh, against Colorado as well. Um, I'll go ahead and stick with USC. Jones, it, I, I was here's the two games this week that I was back and forth, and, and Bo almost had me convinced on LSU. I would almost, you know, if, if you played roulette, and Jones, I know you have, and I'm sure Bo has, um, you know, every now and then, speaking of, you know, the A&M LSU game as well, you sometimes you just have that feeling where you just bet on zero and you get it right. Um, that's kind of the that's the, these two kind of games, LSU and A and M. Kind of like I said, I would almost put a bet on zero to have this game be a push. The USC one might as well be fourteen. They're going to have to win by at least fourteen. Um, I still have to take USC here. I you know I haven't seen a lot of either. I've watched more USC here, but USC did me right last week. Um, I think they'll do me right again this week, I hope. Okay. Uh, Bo, who you got here? Okay, so I, I'm i on the USC train wagon. Here, I'm, I'm actually driving this. I said last week they were my lock. I loved USC last week. They won big against Utah. I like USC. By the way, Thomas, the guy who bets zero on the, on the roulette wheel, that guy is always an asshole. So hey, I, hey, I've got it before. I I bet two dollars on it and one eighty in Vegas here recently in July. Okay. So I uh, I'm just playing with you, but I just love saying that. Um, I mean, hey, I, I'm going to take USC as well. I think USC has a legit chance to run the table, and I I don't know if they will. I think they have a legit chance to run the table. They're very underrated. I like what I see here so far. I'm with the Trojans. USC proved me wrong last week, and that conference is so weak. I think USC is the best team in the Pac-12. Oregon barely beat UCLA at home last week. Um, I'll take USC in the points. I think this team is going to find themselves in the Rose Bowl uh, when it's all said and done. Give me USC here. Let's move on to the NFL. The Ravens taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers red hot, 10-0, four-and-a-half-point favorite. The Ravens coming off that loss to the Titans on Sunday at home. Tom, we'll start with you this time. Does the momentum, the win streak, does it end for the Steelers at home against, against uh, the Ravens here? Jones, this is actually my lock of the week. Um, and I'll tell you why. It's it's obviously the Steelers. I think they keep rolling. Four and a half, I think they win this by a touchdown at least. I know these games are always heated, but let me tell you why. Ravens are pretty much out of running backs, and I know that's the most replaceable position in the league. Um, they do – I believe they still have Justice Hill on the roster. Maybe he finally gets – Yeah, he's going to be the one starting. Right. So, maybe you know, I'm, I have to kind of root for him, but he's going up against his old quarterback, well, not really because Big Ben's going to be playing, but two OSU bench riders, surprise, surprise, 
um, you know, could face off. But the the Steelers, I mean, they're going to be able to focus in that defense on on pretty much making the Ravens a one dimensional team and stopping Lamar. Uh, Ravens don't have that same bite that they did last year. A lot like the Rams after their Super Bowl season, even though the Ravens obviously didn't make it last year. Uh, that's what this feels like. Um, it, they've kind of been figured out and they need to reinvent themselves, and it's not going to be this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that the Steelers are going to try to make the Ravens beat them with Lamar's arm, and I just don't see that working. Lamar – uh, you're, you're right. He's been figured out to an extent. The Steeler defense, it's the best in football right now. Uh, I expect them to get about a seven-point win here is, is uh, the margin. Um, I, I'm thinking the Steelers here win something like 27-20 uh, here. You know, we, we saw last week the receiving core, you know, Johnson, uh, Juju, um, you know, the, the, these guys are just, you know, phenomenal. The receivers, they, they grow receivers on trees in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, it, the, it's been phenomenal what they've done. I, I like Pittsburgh to take care of business, uh, you know, four and a half. I think they can cover seven just fine. Uh, Claypool has been great. You, it it's almost reminds me of the Chiefs in the sense where you, you just don't have enough secondary guys to deal with how good their receiving core is coming along here. I like Pittsburgh to cover four and a half. Bo, who you got? I like the Steelers as well. I, I, I watched the Ravens-Titans game last week, and I watched a lot of it, especially in the second half. And um, the Ravens don't look right. They got running backs out. They haven't been right at running back all season, frankly. I think that's really the problem with their offense. And then defensively, they're just not a physical defense. This used to be a game that when you you heard Ravens, Steelers, your bones ached just because of the hearing. it. You knew there was going to be some hitting. It was going to be a game where it was going to be just physical as hell. It's not like that anymore. The Steelers may have the best wide receiver core in the league. I think Roethlisberger is one of the top three or four guys as far as MVP talk right now. I'm going to take the Steelers. I'm going to lay the four and a half. I'm just not real confident in the Ravens. And frankly, if they lose this game, we may be looking at a Ravens team that doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah, that's very well possible uh, at this point in time. They're already behind the Browns in their own division at the moment. The Chiefs taking on the Buccaneers. This game, CBS was so excited about it, they locked it up and uh, did not let NBC move it before the season began. That's how – pump they were to have this one. Uh, Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Chiefs coming off that big win against the Raiders. The Bucks coming off that loss to the Rams just the other night ago. Here's the thing, the, the difference between these two teams, guys. The Bucs have a lot of talent, a lot of weapons, but this comes down to who's the more well-polished team. And the Chiefs are a well-oiled machine. Their flaws are more so to do with injuries. It's not the system. The Bucs don't have the system right now. They're still – learning as they go, and I, I think the Bucs are still a Super Bowl threat. I mean, they're a very good team, but it's still taking time. They've been adding personnel, seems like, every week there in Tampa. Give me the Chiefs at two-and-a-half to go into Tampa, get this done, and, uh, you know, make a, make a statement of some sorts, uh, big-time road win. Andy Reid has the best road record of any coach in NFL history. He's going to add to it this weekend with a two-and-a-half point uh, win there for the Chiefs. Tom, who you got here? Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and go with the Chiefs as well. And, and and you know, the Raiders, 
got us all last week, and we thought the Chiefs were going to go walk in there and just deliver an ass kicking, and it ended up being every bit of probably even a better game than, than the Chiefs or than the Rams Buccaneers was on Monday night. Um, here's the thing, and, and for the Chiefs, uh, they can't let Tom Brady do what he did or can't let Tom Brady do what Derek Carr did to them in Vegas, and they moved down the field. Uh, at will there. The defense is going to have to be better, but I guarantee you they watched a lot of tape this week on what Brandon Staley did against Tom Brady, and, and the defensive backs have to be ready. I, I did read, and for what it's worth, a lot of Reddit comments from Bucks fans on, on how Bruce Arians just has a hard-on for the deep ball. Um, if I had taken a shot last night for every deep ball that, that Tom Brady took on a first down, I would have been hammered by halftime. Um, so, I, you know, I think Andy Reid goes in and, and, and beats and outcoaches Bruce Arians. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to. I have no problem with with the Chiefs. You know, every time, though, they say that, you know, oh, Tom Brady's washed again. He comes back the next game and dominates. It's not going to be against the Chiefs here. I mean, you, you arguably play, and Bo might agree here with me, the best team in the NFC. You turn around and play arguably the best team in the AFC in back-to-back weeks. If the Rams didn't sink the Bucks' pirate ship, um, the Chiefs will this week. Bo, uh, we'll go to you next. Uh, who do you like in this matchup? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with a lot of what Thomas said here. I'm gonna give him the um, the Family Guy uh, compliment sandwich here. So I'm gonna agree with a lot of what you said there, Thomas. However, I'm gonna point out one thing. Last week, one of us said, "Oh, that you did." The Raiders were gonna be close to the Chiefs. You did. There was one of that. us that said, no, 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 wait a minute. This is a better game than you think. Now, I'm going to say this. That was not about the Chiefs. That was about the Raiders. And I said that. I said the Raiders are a better team than you think. Um, having said that, that's the that was the best I've ever seen Derek Carr play, by the way. Uh, he'll never play in the game in his career as well as he played that game. Um, only thing that worries me about picking not picking the Chiefs here is that this season, Brady hasn't had two bad games back-to-back. He's had one, and then he's played better. Then he has the bad game, and he plays better. What I have noticed, I watched it last night. I've seen a couple of the games where they got beat by the Saints twice with the Bucs. Brady can't get away from pressure. He can't get the ball out fast enough. One of the things he did in New England all those years – because what you were saying, Thomas, is kind of true about the deep ball. It's not necessarily that it's the deep ball. It's that it's an intermediate or deep ball. And Brady's so used to getting the ball out of his hands in like 1.2, 1.3 seconds. Can't do that in Bruce Arians' offense. He's got to hold that ball 1.5, 1.8. Guys are getting to Brady. He's getting hit. If you look, I've seen a lot of the Tom Brady games. You hit Tom Brady, Tom Brady loses. You just got to hit him. The Chiefs can get there with their front four. That's why I'm picking the Chiefs this week. It won't be about the the poor play in the defensive backfield. The Chiefs defensive backfield did play really poorly on Sunday night. But I like the front four against the Bucs, and it's going to hurt Brady. He can't get the ball out fast because of the nature of the offense. So I'm leaning toward the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Chiefs. And uh, 
this will then put them put the Bucks three games behind my New Orleans Saints. Okay. The uh, speaking of the offensive line you just mentioned, uh, Bo, they had a lineman go down, a starting left left guard or left tackle, I forget. Um, last night in that first play of the game, and I don't think he returned to the game. They also have a, I believe it's a, it is another starting offensive guard or tackle um, that's out due to concussion, and I don't know if he'll be back. I think Chris Jones probably has a pretty good day uh, on Sunday. Well, and, and uh, to add to that real quick before we move on, the Chiefs the last two seasons have led the league in sacks, did not have a single sack against the Raiders. No one got their buy one, get one free Big Macs on Monday in Kansas City. Um, you got to imagine that Chris Jones, you know, the, the CEO of Sack Nation, uh, that was a wake-up call of some sort. They're not going to let that happen again. That pass rush is going to yeah. And you know what it is, Jonesy? You know what? The reason there is, that's, that's happening is, and we kind of talked about this last week, is so when the Bucks got Tom Brady, they put all the weapons around him. They went and got Gronk, and they got Mike Evans, and they, they went and got all these great receivers and tight ends. They had O.J. Howard, and they didn't get an offensive line. But Derek Carr played the best game of his career because he was staying and setting upright because the Raiders put a whole shitload of the salary cap into the offensive line. They have a quarterback that's not as expensive. They, they protect him, and that's how they were able to, to be competitive in that game. Raiders had a little better quarterback. They beat the Chiefs last week. I don't think that's a reason to pick the, the Bucs because, I mean, obviously Brady's a better quarterback than Derek Carr. But I, I think the Chiefs going to be going to beat up on that offensive line this week. All right. Uh, moving on. Titans beat in, uh, the Colts. Colts are a four-point favorite. They won last time in Nashville just a couple weeks ago. Um, Bo, we'll start with you this time. Uh, do the Titans get their revenge? Okay. So I was trying to think of a good, funny name for what I was going to make this my lock of the week. I guess like the hammer of Thor lock of the week, but I'm not stealing that from Pat McAfee. Um, but this is my lock of the week. The Tennessee Titans – the most underrated team in the AFC. And the reason being, this is the two most underrated teams, but the Colts are one player away from being a top two to three team in the, in the, in the entire NFL. The problem is that position is quarterback. It's Rivers, and he's going to blow it in a big game. This is coming. We've been talking about it for weeks. It's coming. The Titans are the team that slows the game down to the point where you have to play, pardon me, you have to play perfect against them to beat them because you got so many, so few opportunities because the offense takes their time with the ball. I love what Mike Rabel's doing with that team, and I think that's a really talented team. They're the kind of team that gets into a playoff and beats a top-two team just because on a particular day their game plan works. I'm yeah. taking the Titans. I don't care what happened a couple weeks ago. I still think the Titans are a better team here. I like them to win this outright. I called it last week. I was the only one on this show that picked the Titans to straight up win outright against the Ravens. Um, you know, I, I think they'd do it again here. I like the Titans to win outright as an underdog. And I'm with Bo here. I think this is a team that you could make a case could be the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Uh, I mean, they have 
you know, such a different style than everybody else. They're so aggressive. They run the football well with Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill's come along well. Um, still not buying in the Colts um, at, at this point. I'll take Tennessee to win and win outright as a, a four-point underdog. Tom, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to have to go the Titans here. I think Derrick Henry's back. I, I think he's back on his bullshit. Uh, he's ready to go. I, I, you know, the Colts, Jones, I, I don't know how many times I can continually sell them like we do almost every week. Uh, they have been playing great. Uh, but uh, I, I got to go Tennessee here. I, I, they showed a lot of swag last week, and I think they keep it up. All right, a couple more here. Uh, well, real let me quick. Jump in, Tom. One last thing I want to say. Hey, we talked about something other than Jones put earlier this week. The Colts, like I said, are, I think they're one player away. How good – would this Colts team be if Andrew Luck didn't retire? <laughs> yeah, pretty stout. Would they be – I would venture they are the team that everyone's playing against, that everyone's worried about. They're a really, really good team, except at the most important position on the field. Yeah. Uh, Bears and Packers. Packers are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, does anybody even – dare to pick the Bears at this point, guys. Uh, I mean, what a dumpster fire that team has become. And, you know, they can play Trubisky, they can play Foles, whatever it may be. We have now seen, I think you would all agree with this, that the Bears even have bigger issues than just the quarterback position now. Uh, it's it's bigger than that. Uh, I like the Packers here at seven and a half. Are, are we all on the same page? Yeah, even after Packers blew it in overtime. That receiver got death threats too, which is absolute bullshit. I'm on the Packers, too. The Bears are just horrible. And I don't see how they're going to get through this as an organization without making some really top-down changes. Yeah. Um, last one for you. Panthers and the Vikings. Uh, to me, guys, this a lot of it comes down to whether Teddy or McCaffrey are going to play or not. We'll find out later in the week for sure. I think they will. Um, but the Vikings, four-point favorite at home. Coming off a loss to the Cowboys last week, I don't have a, a real good feel for this game at all, guys. I'm going to go with the Vikings here, but I don't say that with any confidence whatsoever. Uh, Tom, who you got here? You know, Jones, we, we almost line up on the picks, and obviously you flip from A&M to, to LSU. Um, but I saw this, and this is – I don't have confidence in this either, but – uh, you know, even if P.J. Walker starts, man got his first win last week. Uh, great story coming from the XFL. I think even if he starts, especially if Christian McCaffrey's back, I, I like the Panthers here. You know, the Vikings, the last time I think we picked them, they didn't, you know, they barely snuck by the Chicago Bears. I mean, that line was two and a half, and, and that was the Bears, and I think they won by five points. Um, I, I have to go with the Panthers here. All right, Bo, who you got? I'm on the Panthers as well. And they had this like little three-game uh, run where Dalvin Cook just kind of took over. And, frankly, the Vikings are going to have to let Dalvin Cook uh, take over. Adam Thielen is out. He's on the COVID list. So, we don't know. I mean, I don't know if he has COVID. I just thought he was on the COVID list. So, he might even be playing. We don't know yet. Um, but, you know, my big line is you're going to be here about the Vikings is, like I say it every week about Kirk Cousins, every time he gets a paycheck, he's stealing money. And <laughs> I'm not picking that guy the rest of the way. 
All right. There you have it. That is the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em. Follow along all season as we pick these games. And, and don't worry about in, investing your money in picks. Uh, spend your money with O'Connor Advisory Group and really plan for your future and your family. You want to check out Bo and his team and uh, give him a call and, and uh, get that uh, great information they got for you. Uh, Bo, one more time, where can people find you? Hey, check us out uh, on Facebook, O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, you can give me a call if you want to set up a time to chat, or if you just want to chat and got some questions. Man, it doesn't cost you anything. Give me a call. I'd love to chat with you. 785-856-0720. And coming soon, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. Heck, he'll, he'll, even, he'll even take your call to chat football, too, if you're down. So. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Unless there you're you a Dallas Cowboys fan, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, no Cowboys fans. No, no Cowboys fans over here. None no. of my friends are Cowboys fans, and that's not a coincidence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. This week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group picks in pick All right, a few more things before we get out of here today on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. Let's go ahead and get to today's Big 12 breakdown. You heard us pick some of the Big 12 games, and so now – uh, looking at the slate as a whole, let's start with that Friday game, Iowa State and Texas. Tom, we've already picked this game. I think both you and I took Iowa State to win on uh, on Friday in this matchup. But uh, looking at just the, the details of this game, um, a lot on the line here. This is this is almost like a Big Twelve title play-in game of sorts between these two. Yeah, it is. I mean, Iowa State, they win this. They uh, could secure a quick, quick, quick spot in Arlington. That would be huge for Matt Campbell. I did see some rumors earlier about Matt Campbell potentially becoming Nebraska head coach. There was some talk of that. I don't know how much, you know, weight to give that. But I uh, did see that. That would be huge for Iowa State. Can they get past Texas and Austin? Uh, you know, it's still yet to be known. Texas needs a little bit of help. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a great game. Both teams can score points. Um, you know, obviously we picked Iowa State, but, you know, hard not to after they blanked K-State 45 nothing the previous week. Yeah. Um, should be a fun game between these two teams uh, when they get together coming up on Friday uh, down in Austin. Uh, to get this one done. And you mentioned coaches, you know, Matt Campbell, of course, going to be a hot name once again. Tom Herman, we were just talking, didn't seem like too long ago, about him possibly being relieved of his duties at the end of this year. And, in fact, he was complaining, you know, not too long ago about uh, Urban Meyer's name coming up and affecting him in recruiting, uh, actually, he wins this one, and if they find themselves in the Big 12 title game or have a decent finish of the year here, looks like Tom Herman, I would say right now, is actually more likely to stay in Austin uh, than to be ousted of some sorts. Uh, I mean, that's uh, quite the change of sorts uh, compared to where the discussion was even just a couple weeks ago with Tom Herman. Yeah, thanks, Oklahoma State, uh, for, you know <laughs> – keeping Tom Herman in the Big 12. We we sacrifice all the time. And there's the latest sacrifice. I'd 
you know, I'm, I'm sure other teams are probably like, oh, yes, like keep Tom and Her- Herman there. Don't let them, you know, get a capable head coach. Uh, you know, Tom Herman is not as bad, I don't think, as Charlie Strong was. But at the same time, Texas can and probably will do much better, you know, to have all that, all those recruits every single year in and out. Uh, it's just, it, you know, it's inexcusable. Uh, to even have that talk that the head coach of Texas year in and year out after Mac Brown should not be in question um, because of the recruits they're getting. And, and, you know, it's, it's the easiest and hardest job in the big 12, I think as a Texas head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you there. Those regents aren't too kind there in uh, Austin, Oklahoma state taking on Texas tech. The Cowboys are an 11-point favorite. And, Tom, one of the things that you and I were talking about uh, earlier was that when OSU has the earlier matchup with OU and they don't play it at the end of the season and they lose that one, it always seems like there's a, there's a hangover of some sorts uh, on the down end of things that, you know, they, they get depressed and start drinking too much and it carries over where – you know, they, they lose what they were playing for in a sense that, well, the Big 12 title's out of the picture or, you know, beating OU's out of the picture, those things that they build their season towards. At 5-2, and two, the path to a Big 12 title game for OSU is very tough at this point in time. This team, how do they stay motivated? How do you still put your best foot forward going into this game against Texas Tech and try to rebound off the loss against OU here? I mean, it is senior day, senior morning, and I can't even call it senior night when it's at 11 a.m. kick. Um, I'm honestly trying to sell my ticket um, to the game this weekend. So if anyone listens and wants to buy a ticket for 100 bucks to Texas Tech, OK State at 11 a.m. on Saturday, you just hit my line. Um, but with that being said, yeah, it's it's hard. It's it you know, and, and honestly, think about think about what you said about for them keeping focus or keeping confidence look at me i'm a pretty big oklahoma state fan i'm ready to sell you know the last of my season ticket because i'm just done and it's not with the team uh it's honestly with mike gundy and you told me to wait and hang on for my words for this i'm gonna give, go ahead and give them to you uh punting in the fourth quarter against ou after being down and, and playing like absolute ass all game is inexcusable and he had a half-assed response to that and the presser saying something about his young offensive line and you know trying to save them that's bullshit that you know he you know i we we don't i don't go to the games every year to see a half-assed performance jones this is the least competitive bedlam i've seen um honestly i'm gonna even just go ahead and say probably in in the whole entire timeline of me being an actual oklahoma state fan um, you know, I found out I, you know, was going to Oklahoma State pretty much in 2009. And before that, I was, you know, slowly but surely headed that way anyway, because, you know, if someone's going to give you money, then, you know, I can be bought. Uh, I don't know if I could be bought anymore, but um, in terms of team fandom, but, um, you know, the least competitive bedlam I've seen in a long time. They just laid down after, you know, there was an interception in that bedlam game that should not have been. Um, and then after OU went up 21-0, they should have just packed it in and headed back to Stillwater. Yeah. Um, because they didn't even try. 
and it, and maybe not the team, but Gundy's, you know, lack of motivation and, and calling it like, you know, calling it like a lame duck. It just doesn't do good for recruiting. Um, doesn't do well for the confidence the team has in them. They have Texas Tech, like I said, this Saturday. Last year, Spencer Sanders had a billion and a half turnovers. Um, I mean, this team was supposed to make a step forward, and I get it. They're, the offensive line kind of dipped out on them uh, with Bryce Bray and, you know, others that left or got hurt or injured or what have you. Um, and maybe that's why Chuba, you know, hasn't had a, a great year by any means. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, and so you got to have an offensive line for sure. But yeah, yeah. Um, for Oklahoma State, Jones, they need a lot of help. They're going to need some help from Texas this weekend. But, as you know, I don't, I don't even think this team wants to go get their ass beat by OU in the Big 12 championship game, honestly. And I, I hate saying that because I hate OU. Um, but, golly, if Mike Gundy's going to continue to coach like that, fire his ass. I, I, and I, I'm not the only Oklahoma State fan that will tell you that. There's a lot of OSU fans calling for Gundy's head, if rightfully so. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. And we are a pro-fire coach show, but I'm not there yet on on Gundy. Um, He's on my radar. Yeah, it has been a disappointing year. Real quick, who starts at quarterback Saturday? Is it Ellinger or is it uh, – or uh, is it uh, Ellen, Ellensworth, Ellensworth or uh, – Ellingworth or Sanders. Ellingworth or Sanders, thank you. Uh, who, um, neither one of them played good Saturday. No, they didn't. And Gundy, you know, Gundy, you know, you know how he swan songs his players. And, you know, it's not time to swan song Spencer Sanders just yet because it's not, you know, senior day for him just yet. Um, but honestly, if you, you you can just take a page out of Taylor Cordianis' book, he's going to stick with Sanders and, and roll Sanders out there until, you know, maybe – Either they're up 21 or down 21, one of the two. It could go either way this Saturday. You know, I don't think the players are too excited about playing Tech at 11 a.m. after getting the doors blown off of them the week before. Yeah. Um, K-State taking on Baylor. Baylor at 1-5, K-State 4-4. Four four. K-State embarrassing performance last week against Iowa State, losing 45 to nothing. Baylor hasn't had the season they wanted with the way things have gone for K-State the last couple of weeks, Tom. This could be an opportunity for Baylor to uh, put one in the win column in a Big 12 play here. Yeah, they could. And, and you know, I, for both teams, it's a, it's a chance for K-State to, you know, not – I wouldn't say save their season, obviously not anymore, um, but maybe make things hurt a little bit less and, you know, forget about what it could have been. You know, with Skylar Thompson going down, Will Howard is he's the guy? Still a freshman. I mean, you're going to have that struggle. Uh, I do feel a little bit bad for AJ Parker, Bartlesville kid. Um, you know, leaving out on on a season that had so much hope at the beginning and just slowly but surely went downhill. Uh, he'll be an NFL draft pick. Um, but man, K State's one of those teams. What could have been? I mean, I preaching to the choir as an Oklahoma State fan, but uh, if Skylar Thompson doesn't go down, are we are we saying we're singing a little bit different tune? Um, maybe so. Maybe so we are. Um, and Will Howard is not even guaranteed the job next year. Skylar Thompson could come back. 
They have a four-star quarterback coming in as well. So, Will Howard, he I know that he is just a freshman, but he's still got something to prove just to even have a chance next year to be the guy here. This stretch is very important for Will Howard in his future there at Kansas State. Number 11, Oklahoma, taking on West Virginia. That game in Morgantown. The Sooners, 11-point favorite. Big win against Oklahoma State last week. As we mentioned, OU looked great. Uh, I mean, just in every way. Uh, With Rattler, with the defense, just a lot to like from OU in that win against Oklahoma State and the way that they've played in the last three or four weeks. With that, all that being said, you go into Morgantown after Thanksgiving – after that big win, West Virginia has surprised a lot of people. Five and three season. Um, you know, they've certainly made some noise in the Big 12 at this point. This has all the makings of a letdown game of some sorts, Tom. I think that – I don't think West Virginia wins this game, but I think there's a good chance – West Virginia can keep this within a touchdown and cover that spread and make this a competitive game. I don't expect OU to have that A-plus performance like they did last week. I think we're talking about a bit of a drop-off here for OU and West Virginia playing their, uh, you know, putting their best foot forward in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to match a performance like what OU had, especially, you know, from Bedlam. There's always going to be a little hangover probably for both teams. Um and, you, you know, you're traveling across country during Thanksgiving. Uh, I mean, it has all the signs of a trap game. It does. I don't think it. I don't think West Virginia can pull it off, but uh, I, I agree with you. It, I, it has all the signs of a trap game. Yeah, uh, no question about that. Uh, in uh, that case there for OU in West Virginia. TCU in Kansas. KU did not get to play last week. Their defensive line had some COVID-19 issues, but it sounds like that they're ready to go for this one uh, against uh, the Horn Frogs uh, with TCU coming to town with a 3-4 and four record. TCU hasn't been the season that they wanted uh, with Max Duggan and company and those guys there, but KU such a hot mess here. TCU, even as bad as they've been and disappointing they've been, they should win this one big. But if you're Kansas – all KU fans are asking for, and against a lonely team like TCU, I don't think this is asking too much either. Just compete. Come within a score. You know, keep it within 10 or less of some sorts. And KU has shown no signs, no hope of that. You had the week off last week. KU, just, just keep it somewhat competitive, and you're going to please a lot of people. I think that would be huge for this team as we get towards the end of the season here, just find a way to compete, you know, at least be in position to make a competitive game, potential upset or something against somebody before this league year ends. You're right. There's, there's, you know, and, and usually obviously we didn't expect KU to, you know, win more than one. They're still at zero. Um, but, you know, for KU, there hasn't even been any moral victories really this year. Uh, usually that's hard to do too. (laughs) You're right. They usually have at least a couple moral victories. They they haven't had any victories, real victories or moral victories. And it's, they got to have at least one. Right. Right. No, no question about that. So there you have it. That's our uh, big 12 breakdown for this week. 
Tom, uh, the college football playoff rankings, the first of 2020, have been revealed. And the number one team in the poll, you guessed it, is Alabama. Uh, big shocker there uh, with the tide there in that first spot. Number two belongs to Notre Dame. Clemson at number three. Their lone loss was to Notre Dame in overtime in South Bend without Trevor Lawrence. And number four is Ohio State. And that's coming off the win against Indiana. I'll say the surprise, Tom, the four teams, that's not a surprise at all. The ranking position, I didn't expect Clemson to be ahead of Ohio State, but quite frankly, I, I don't really care. That's not that big of a deal either. I think Ohio State, that you still have to give credit for the Indiana win, even though we don't know how good that Indiana win was, the fact that Indiana had played so well going into it. I think you still have to give them credit for that, winning at home against a top-10 team. Um, I would have rated Ohio State three, but it, who cares? I mean, it doesn't make a difference. It's okay if they're four. Uh, the main thing is to start the playoff rankings, they have the right four teams right now. Right, and, and, and as of right now, I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of this, this is what we're looking at. Obviously, probably some probably some things change, especially if Ohio State goes undefeated. Um, you know, a lot depends on, you know, riding on Notre Dame as well. Let's see. Can they keep it up? I mean, that game that, you know, what we think could be the game for the ACC is that rematch of Clemson-Notre Dame. Uh, that could be the game of the year by far. And uh, to be honest, the first game, could be the front runner for the game of the year already. Yeah. Um, and uh, outside looking in, Texas A&M at five, Florida at six. Each of those teams with one loss. The path to the playoff, to put it simply, Tom, it's win the SEC. I don't think A&M gets in without you know getting some help of some sorts of getting into the, the SEC championship game needing Alabama to lose some games. Florida, I think you got to get to the SEC title game and beat Alabama. That's the path uh, for uh, the, the only way that there's two SEC teams in is if one of those other teams is Alabama. Um, you're not getting Texas A&M and Florida both in the playoff. It would have to be Alabama and then one of those two, and you got to win the SEC title to do it if you're A&M or Florida here. Right, yeah, that's that's a must because at this point, Jones, I don't see anybody beating Alabama. No. I don't see it. I mean, they they look phenomenal. I mean, they, it's incredible, and I I hate it. I I do hate it. But at this point, they're getting they're getting. It happens so many times. I'm almost becoming to just respect it. Yeah, I um, hate that. Cincinnati, seven, Northwestern, eight, Georgia, nine, Miami, 10. Um, the big surprise in all this, Tom, was where BYU ended up. BYU, 14th in the playoff rankings. They're nine. So. And here's the thing. I do not think BYU deserves to be in that top four. Uh, you know, absolutely not. Uh, you know, and, and they've done what they've could to play – you know, as good a schedule as they can to this point. Um, but 14th? Are you kidding me? I mean, what more were they supposed to do? 14th? 
to me, that's disrespectful. I have a problem with that. At the very least, uh, BYU at nine wins has got to be a top 10 team. I think that's ridiculous, the disrespect level for BYU not being a top 10 team at this point. I'll give you that. They should be top 10. But, I mean, you, you play teams like North Alabama. I mean, they, I mean, if anything, uh, you know, the, the people in, in Provo will be like, well, we beat, Al- we beat an Alabama team. We deserve to be number one. Uh, you know, but you know how I feel about BYU. Uh, but I'll give you that. They should be top 10. Um, I would like to see what, what's Cincinnati ranked. You said Cincinnati is seventh. Yeah. I would like to see a Cincinnati BYU game. And then that team can play for the sixth spot. Um, and then if, you know, and, and I would, I would throw in. Indiana, just put Indiana, Cincy, and BYU all in the same category, and and maybe even Indiana comes out on top of those teams. Yeah, um, and, and if you want to throw a wild card in there, put Tulsa in there and play every game at Chapman and watch what? that game go on and go in the over. I mean, Tulsa. I know we're you know we're talking about BYU. We're just talking about teams that are you know have no shot of making the playoff, even if you go undefeated. Um, Tulsa. We, I mean, that game was what last Friday. We haven't, we haven't. I don't know if you talked about it on Monday's show. Tulsa, man, play every game at Chapman and watch out. Right. Uh, just wait till the fourth quarter. And I mean, fun. they play Cincy. They play Cincy. What in two weeks? Yes, in Tulsa. Yeah, I might. Have I might to have to mess around and go. Right. Um. And Tulsa, this is their first ever appearance in the College Football Playoff Top 25 rankings ever as their 25th in the poll. Um, but BYU, back to them real quick. They had an opportunity to play Washington this week as Washington needed an opponent after Washington State had some COVID issues. BYU said no, and they cited two reasons. One of those being was the Pac-12 contract says that if another team becomes available by Thursday, you would still have to play another Pac-12 team. You'd have to cancel the game and schedule against a non-conference opponent. So they wanted to make sure they had a game. The other thing was they claimed was they wanted to see where they were at in the rankings um, before they would commit to figuring out if they needed to play another opponent. The college football playoff rankings were never going to go in BYU's favor anyway. Um, I get the first excuse. The second argument, though, I thought that one just didn't make much sense anyway. Um, BYU, if, if something opens this week, you know, of a Pac-12 team in Oregon or a Washington of some sorts, they need to jump on it because clearly at 14, uh, that's not good enough right now if this team, you know, wants to really make some noise in the national picture. They need to get uh, – you know, some quality power five opponent at some point before the, the end of this season ends. And, and the way that we've seen the scheduling thing go with everything so makeshift, Tom, they, they very well could find a, a, a group, a, a power five team before the end of the year's up. Yeah, I think they, they should. And it, yeah, I, mean, I think there will be a possibility that they could go ahead and, and do it. And if they don't, um, you know, maybe they're fine with their cupcake schedule and patting themselves on the back like we went undefeated. Maybe they can 
you know, be like UCF a few years ago and deem the, claim the the Joseph Smith National Championship. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Smith National Championship. Uh, that, that's what the 1985 trophy was uh, for one of the Holiday Bowl. Um, right. <laughs> two takeaways. Uh, you mentioned with, with Tulsa there. Tulsa, Marshall, Coastal Carolina, BYU, Cincinnati. Um, that's what, five group of five teams in the rankings? And they're not the Boise States or the UCFs of the world here. We're talking about a new crop of uh, – of kids uh, in that bunch there. I, I like to see some of those other guys, in particular Coastal Carolina, won five games last year, um, opened up the year beating KU. I mean, uh, that's good to see some some new faces in, uh, in these college football playoff rankings. Big 12 goes. Um, you know, the Big 12 doesn't have an elite team, doesn't have a playoff contender, but I felt like actually the committee was kind to the Big 12 in the rankings. Oklahoma sits in at 11. They're ahead of Indiana who only has one loss. Iowa State ahead of BYU, ahead of Oregon, ahead of Wisconsin, um, who all have, you know, less losses than Iowa State does. Uh, Texas ahead of undefeated USC. Um, You know, OSU slides in at 23. I'm shocked to actually say this, Tom, that the playoff rankings were actually kind to the Big 12. I don't think we've said that since this playoff ranking system started. Yeah, no, usually they're very unkind. And so I was, uh, you know, surprised after OSU got that shellacking that they didn't just almost drop out completely. Uh, I mean, or at least down into, you know, 23-24 category. Or, you know, even, like I said, they could have dropped out completely and maybe I'm too critical. But, um, yeah, they were pretty – they were pretty kind, um, considering all other things. Um, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give them all the credit for being kind just yet because, uh, there's been too much unkindness. Uh, maybe they're being kind because they're just like, well, oh, another year of Big Twelve missing the playoff. Right. We'll uh, give you a consolation prize. Yeah, here you go. You can be 11th in the ranking. Yeah, um, <laughs> with your two losses. Enjoy that. Um, playoff-wise, I'm still sticking to what I said Monday. I like this playoff right now. Did not change much from what it is. I'll swap out Notre Dame for Florida. I think Florida's winning the SEC. I think they're going to beat Alabama, but I think that's going to be Alabama's only loss. That gets them in to the playoff over Notre Dame, and that's what I have is two SEC teams, Alabama and Florida, Clemson and Ohio State making the playoff. Tom? If you had to predict right now, who's going to be those final four teams? You know, I, I like your final four as well. But at the same time, if Alabama, you know, I, I hope the, our pick comes down to Alabama, um, you know, playing Florida in the SEC championship. And I, if you would take Florida, I will take Alabama and hope that maybe is the dagger because uh, I, I can't pick against Alabama, not depending on what the line is, of course. But um, – with that being said, I, I could see that happen, and I could see Florida potentially getting in. Um, obviously, it's, you know, it's a tough task to beat Alabama. Can, you know, can Florida do it? Yes. If, if not, then, you know, I kind of like where the playoff stands right now. I, um, I'm ready to see Clemson. 
with Trevor Lawrence played Notre Dame um, and, and see how that goes. And obviously, you know, if, if the chips fall where they may, we probably get the playoff we have now. Okay. So that's, that's how you – if you were a betting man, you would say the top four stays the same at the end of it? Right, because I, I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if Notre Dame can – you know, and that's saying that, that Notre Dame, you know, wins this weekend. And, um, and you know, the, it, I guess where it, it, it stands where it stays now, if that makes sense, where, you know, everyone kind of wins out. Uh, obviously, Clemson and Notre Dame will play again, and Alabama still will have to play Florida probably in the championship game. So, um, other than that, I, I mean, I think those are the two scenarios that are probably most likely. You know, what? one more point, then we can move on, Tom. For a year that's been so hectic and so out of sorts, you know, of the ordinary and everything, the playoff, and I know it's still early, a lot could change. There's not a whole lot of controversy. It, it seems like the script is pretty well written for setting up the next couple of weeks here. It seems like that there's only a few scenarios how this could play out. For as crazy this year's been, I'm actually surprised that the playoff is uh, as, I guess, predictable as it is. And who knows, maybe I eat my words in a couple of weeks, but it feels like we already know what we're setting up for here. I mean, and, and, and we said that there could be a lot of controversy, and, and there's not. And the Big 12 is probably to thank for a lot of that. Um, so maybe that's why they're so kind to the Big 12 this time out. They said, well, you made it easy on us and, you know, didn't have to provide a whole lot of controversy with uh, a team from the Big 12 coming out, uh, you know, and making the college football playoff or having a case. I mean – it was pretty much written after the Big 12 lost all those Sun Belt games. Yeah. Um, if Oregon or USC go undefeated and win the Pac-12, I mean, they're, they're going to have to put on some impressive performances, some nice eye tests of some sorts, because um, I, I, would, I would take a one-loss Notre Dame or Clemson or Florida or Alabama or, or even Ohio State. I'd take any of those teams as a one-loss over an undefeated Pac-12 if it comes down to a matter of one of those last playoff spots right now, Tom. Yeah, you would have to think so. I mean, that's how it should be. Um, I, th I think you're right on par with whether the college football committee would be as well. I think that would be only fair. Yeah. I mean, and they weren't kind to the Pac-12 in their rankings. With Oregon being undefeated and all the way at 15, I don't disagree. But the precedent, you could tell, is being set there. All right, Tom, before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Where are we headed to this time? Jones, we're going to the land of domestic beer. Um, wherever that might – I guess in this case, it's technically St. Louis, Missouri, um, considering Anheuser-Busch. But beer company Bud Light announces its own gaming console. Bud Light, a beer manufacturing company, has revealed, revealed that it is making a new next-gen gaming console of its own. If it's not called the Dilly Dilly console, I, I don't want it. Uh, the company is doing it all for a good cause and has also stated their new console will never experience overheating issues at all. Bud Light has a noble cause behind the move. The company refers to their BL6 console as the coolest console ever, and it brings with it a powerful gaming PC. The console slash PC will be having several fighting games from... Bandai Namco, such as Tekken 7 and Soul Calibur 6, along with RBI Baseball 20 and Broforce pre-installed on it. 
The console also features two peculiarly designed gaming controllers that have the BL6 name carved on it. Um, what's interesting is the console's cooling system has beer in it. This is, there's no way. If it is really true, then it will be really a one-of-a-kind first-ever beer cooling system, as claimed by Bud Light. The console also has 720p ASUS projector bundled with it, enabling individuals to play games at any location. Getting your hands on the new BL6 console will be a real challenge, as it will be sold via an auction on shopbeergear.com and has very restricted availability. The company has put up a spec sheet in which they compared the BL6 console with the Xbox and PS5 consoles, and it is very funny. You can have a look below. Uh, I'm just going to try to... This is insane. This can't be real. Um, no, it, is, it looks very real, actually. There's no way this is uh, real. They, they put a spec sheet together, read it to you. They compared size. They said the BL6 is bigger than we thought, to, and they put TBH. The Xbox, they said huge. The 5, giant. It says memory on the BL6, more than you need. The Xbox, 16 gig. PS5, 16 gig. FPS, fun projected stuff. 120 FPS for the Xbox, 120 for the PS5. Well, the, uh, the Xbox and the PlayStation are so expensive, I might just have to buy this thing. Well, it's going for auction. I'm going to have to be very interested. They put storage, two Bud Light cans, two controllers. Flops, we got flops. Hops, we got hops. Projector, hell yeah. Xbox could never. PS5 would never. Keeps cold. Beer's cold. What do you think? Xbox fridge sold separately. This is incredible. Uh, the highest bid for the console as of now, Jones, is way above 1800 USD. Ooh. Bidding will progress till... Okay, so the bidding stopped on the 20th. It is not a profit stunt as Bud Light will be handing over all the money to the National Restaurant Association Education Foundation. Changes on the menu campaign. The goal of the campaign is to provide assistance to COVID-impacted restaurant workers. You can find out more details regarding the new console by simply visiting the BL6 website. I'm going to that website right now. This is incredible. How did I not hear about this beforehand? The sure sign of a good time. It is, I, I suppose so. That is that is incredible. The coolest console ever. I'm looking it up right now. We could go into all this is the uh this is the Bud Light. Oh, this is insane. It looks like a fucking six pack. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I didn't see this. Um Website reads, jam-packed with stuff. <laughs> we could go into all the techie details about what makes the BL6 tick, but really all you need to know is what our experts told us. It's just enough tech to play Pac-Man for hours. Um, this is crazy. What? Are you joking? Jones, they have a koozie built in that you can put your Bud Light in. This is insane. That's the next exactly. This is actually, are you looking at it? I'm fixing to send it to you. This is actually really cool. <laughs> I cannot believe this is a thing. Um, how did I, we, how did I, and now I'm, don't get me wrong. The only time I'm drinking a Bud Light is at the OSU game when they're out of Budweiser because they don't, they're not doing any other beers this season for whatever reason. Um, oh, they have Michelob, Bud Light, and Budweiser, and if they're out of Budweiser, I, guess I'll take a Bud Light, but begrudgingly. 
Um, the projector, they put wire projector. Well, since the location for drinking beer and hanging with friends always changes, want to make sure the BL6 can travel with you. So go ahead, play the BL6 on a wall screen, tent, rock, your friend's five head, indoors, outdoors, anywhere. The six pack of games you can actually play, six hand picks games exclusively repurposed for the BL6 experience. Want to battle, carry some arcade nostalgia, just going to sit there and yell things where your friends still cool. There's something here for every type of gamer. Jones, I do not believe this. This is crazy. Um, this is crazy. They have a flashlight on it, the BL6 flashlight, and they're saying that you can play freeze tag in the dark outside. Um, okay, they have a air hockey game on there. They're calling it the six puck. The six puck pitch you one on one battle against your opponent uh, on the air table classic block moves and use your cans to slam home the winning shot. Um, I, I don't know if you're looking at this right now. I'm looking at it. This this is kind of this is incredible, <laughs> really. Um, this is might be one of the most tomfoolery things I've ever seen in my life, and then the fact that it's real, Bud Light just doesn't stop. They don't. Bud Light has never stopped with the, the absolute ridiculousness of it. Um, two hours of portable gaming entertainment. Um, so, basically, you could show up to a party with this and have everything you need. Here's the thing. for I, I guarantee you got bitted on by uh, like video game collectors. Uh... Oh, so three days ago, the comments on Reddit, the person put, yes, it's real. Current bid is $11,000. And then someone updated, it's $15,000. That is crazy. I got to look up more about this, Jones. The BL6. How did I not see this? You know, I don't even play video games a whole lot, but. Oh, they have a video on it. Okay. Video looks pretty legit. That's that's crazy. I wonder how much it costs to put them put this together. Right. Jones, I would I mean, if I had the money to buy it, I don't think I would still buy it. I mean it's going to a good cause, so maybe. Um but this is something that's going to end up being worth a whole lot of money one day. Oh, no question. It's still very much tomfoolery. I wonder, I mean, do they just make it a little mini computer packed with a hard drive with games on it and just design the controllers? I mean, I'm glad what Bud Light's doing, supporting, you know, restaurant workers, but Jones, this is, that's a whole lot of tomfoolery and I don't think it got enough marketing because this is something I should have heard about. Right. I didn't even see any commercials for this. Right. I was looking at it. So, who, what website? PCMag.com, I guess, got a hold of one. Okay. And looked into it. And so, they said basics after tinkering with it is the BL6 is a Windows 10 PC equipped with an Intel i7 CPU, 16 gigabytes of RAM with a 6-pack. 
Specifically, the PC appears to be a Microsoft Surface Pro or similar. Projector is an Asus Zenbeam 720p projector. has Intel Iris graphics instead of a beefy graphics card, but it still has enough oomph to play Tekken 7 and Soul Calibur 6. Um, it's more than a solid Windows 10, not quite gaming PC in a small projector, though. The six cans on the case are more than looks. The front two cans are cooling fans. But the middle two are holders for the included game controllers, which are BL6 branded 8-bit do N30 Pro game pads. And the rear two cans, those are drink cooler compartments. Um, That's a game changer. Yeah, yeah, it is. This is pretty cool. Not going to lie. I hope they mass produce that thing. I don't think, I don't know if they will or not. Um, but to get your hands, if they, I'm sure they had more than one. But, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's this might be the coolest thing Bud Light has ever done. I mean, the Dilly Dilly commercials kind of got old after a while, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I'm more in shock, Jones. I, I don't even have a whole lot of comments on it. It's just pretty freaking awesome. I, yeah, I'm left speechless. I mean, it's Tom Fullery for sure, you know? We have Tom Fullery that's laughable in a bad way. This is laughable in a great way. I mean, this is right. This is awesome. Uh, more of this. I want to hear where this goes, and this is one. Occasionally, we do this. Tom, we need a follow-up story on this. We need to see where this goes. We need to get someone on the show for the next Tom Fuller. Whenever the figure us out, whoever has this. And give us a, uh, a thing on it. Now, Jones, if there was a, a Whataburger What a Game console, would you buy it? Yeah, just uh, make sure I have the, uh, the milkshake. The, the ice cream machine can't be broken. Instead of projector, they just put an ice cream machine in it. Right. That makes shakes whenever. Um, yeah, this, is, this could be a game changer. We could have other people do something similar to this. A Bud Light 6 console. That's, I mean, they would. I'm not surprised with how well their marketing team does usually in just the national brand that they are. The beer's trash. <laughs> um, you know, but I'm, I'm surprised. This is more of a... And this is a total Bud Light move, but I'm surprised that, like, Natty Light didn't get in on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um... We got a Ron, but wow, that was uh, it's Bud Light cool. Six, baby. Let's let's make it happen. Let's make it roll. Uh, big thanks to Dominic Argon for joining us. Also, uh, Brian O'Connor as well from O'Connor Advisory Group, and you, the listener, for hanging out with us here a day early on the Jones Report. Back to the normal schedule next week. New episodes on Monday and Thursday. We will see you then. As always, follow me on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Thomas at Thomas underscore Bridges at TJ Media Group, uh, Jones underscore Report on Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, and uh, Insta Thomas on uh, the gram, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group. Also, another plug uh, Let's Go Racing with David Starr premieres less than a week from now. On Tuesday of next week, episode number one, uh, David, myself, Dominic, we will see you then. Uh, should be a lot of fun. That means, Tom, I'm putting out three podcasts a week and doing radio six days a week, calling games as well. No, no rest for the wicked. 
Um, but it's a pleasure and certainly will be fun to, to bring that to you beginning next week as well. So got it, Ron. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Certainly thankful for our listeners. You guys make this all happen. That's why we do it. And I hope you enjoyed time with your loved ones. And uh, if you don't get to be around your loved ones, give them a phone call. Tell them you love them. And uh, we will see you coming up on Monday. Have a great holiday, everybody. So long.